Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? Clones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back to another episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster and host of the show. Before we get started, um, I know some of you guys are expecting in this episode for us to talk about the um, exciting news from San Diego. We're going to do a San Diego wrap-up special slash regular show uh, next episode. We're going to kind of get a lot more detailed into uh, those announcements. Um... With uh, Mayday Mondays, we'll talk about the Mayday stuff, uh, the new action figure and stuff like that. Uh, with um, Spectacular Radio, really nothing much came out of San Diego. But uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to be there. We're excited to have a presence there with Josh and Don. And happy that they were there to give us a report. And uh, well, so we'll have them on for the next episode. Um, real quickly... Uh, all of our shows have been kind of uh, on the back burner for a little bit, but we're uh, looking to get back into the swing of things, starting with this episode, and uh, we're excited to bring it to you. So uh, sit back, enjoy the return of Spider-Man here on Spidey-Dude.com and the Clone Sucker Chronicles podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, and I'm your host, Zach Joyner. Uh, joining me this episode is uh, The Usual Gang. This is the first time we've done a normal episode in a while. We've done a lot of specials and one-off episodes, so to get back into the swing of things, to bring about the return of Spider-Man, I have brought back Mr. Joshua Lavin-Bertoni. What? And Mr. Donovan Morgan-Grant. Greetings. Mr. Gerard Delatour II. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And Mr. Greg Bishansky. Hey. This is the first time Greg's been on with the uh, the other the other three guys, except for Gerard, of course. But uh, he's been on with Gerard. But uh, so welcome to the uh, well, welcome to the big leagues, kid. Thanks. <laughs> now uh, we all, they all host different podcasts. Uh, Gerard hosts Mayday Mondays here on Spy-Dude.com. Gerard or. Er, 
Gerard uh, is going to have a new episode out pretty soon. We've got uh, Greg Bashansky, who hosts Spectacular Radio for Spidey-Dude.com. And uh, Donovan is uh, joined by Mr. Joshua Lappenbertoni, Kevin Cushing, and C- Crazy Chris of C- Crawl Space fame. Yes, pimp your new show, guys. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, it's one episode out now, but it's now on iTunes, so everybody can find it. Uh, Josh and I, along with Kevin, Chris, and a newcomer, and uh, people who may not be familiar with their other show, Comic uh, Geek Lesson, Ashley, we are uh, doing a show on comic book movies, or comic book uh, inspired by movies, called the Comic Book Film Review. You can find this at cbfreview.libson.com. We uh, had our first episode out in the month of June, where we covered X-Men Days of Future Past. Again, it's currently on iTunes. You can also, again, you can find that at cbfreview.libson.com. Check us out, the uh, comic book film review. Put that in your uh, pipe and smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) It was good to have you guys doing uh, another regular show. Uh, Also, I want to mention uh, Donovan hosts another show called uh, DBZ and Next Dimension Podcast. A, uh, uh, it's next to mention the Dragon Ball Z podcast. Oh, <laughs> I did but uh, but it was with with uh, Mr. Jesse Garrett, who's uh, part of Spectacular Radio as well. So. Oh yes. Uh, anyway, now we got the pimpage done. Uh, first things first, I wanted to kind of cover. We we've been a while since we've done some news, and there's been some news that we've that's come out since the last time we've done a regular show. So first things first, uh, Spider Verse. Every Spider-Man ever except for Spectacular Spider-Man from Sony will be appearing. <laughs> they couldn't get the rights. They couldn't get the rights. Actually, it, so. uh, they are leaving out Spider-Boy. Dan Slott said on Twitter because of the whole uh, rights thing. I'm sorry to interrupt again. How, like, what rights are cut up with Spider-Boy? Because he's actually, a DC Marvel creation. Yeah, actually, Slot yeah. said to Wiseman on Twitter that he's going to try to find a way to allude to certain Spider-Man that he's not allowed to feature. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. Um, watch Slot uh, kill him off. <laughs> right. I'm also going to make the assumption that the MTV version of Spider-Man with his uh, with his little uh, lovely long sleeve shirt and purple. Purple was it a purple shirt and purple pants? It was. Know. It was. A, it was a black shirt with with a white. Uh, uh, forearms underneath in the purple pants. Yes, yes. Uh, we're also going to be under the assumption that uh, he will not be appearing in Spider-Verse, but who will be appearing in Spider-Verse is the Scarlet Spider, a.k.a. Kane, the Scarlet Spider, a.k.a. Ben Riley, and a new version of Spider-Man, well, a new version that we're going to be covering in this episode, Spider-Ben, going to be, re- going to be making an appearance. So this will be the first time that both the Scarlet Spider and Spider-Ben are in the same story with, as two different people. So, uh, what, what's everybody's thoughts about this? That's, I, you know, I didn't know that until just now. I'm looking at the post right now. That's actually really, really cool. Like, the brown-haired Scarlet Spider and the blonde Spider-Man. Like, like, like the Ben from the future. That's actually really, really awesome. I'm interested to see their interaction with Kane. I hope there's some interaction with Kane. Be true. <laughs> there's going to be so much going on. I don't even know if there's going to be time for these characters to interact. I've purposely... I say purposely. I've done it because I've been lazy and I haven't cared that much. Um, Stayed away from a lot of news spoilers and interviews about this, so I honestly don't know a lot of what's going on, um, aside from what I've seen here or there. I do know that um, they're going to have the Betty Brant spider uh, girl from What If. Finally. (laughs) Yes, I know. At at long last, after all these years. 
Well, it's also like uh, like uh, W two versus Ben Riley. There's multiple versions. Of Pe- I mean, you know, obviously there's multiple versus Peter Parker, but like you know, like in the same six one six, like you know, the armored Spider Man, the uh, Bag Man, like Peter Parker during his own natural timeline to use Doctor Who language. Right. Okay, question slash theory. There's been some talk about them possibly rebooting the Marvel Universe and that everything's going to be changing um, come April of next year. What is everybody's... Does everybody think this is kind of like the last hurrah for regular main Marvel Universe Spider-Man? Famous no. last words, but no. Okay. Gerard, uh, Greg, what's your thoughts on this? They're oh, boy. Do it. We thought they would for many years. There's been rumors, but they, they won't even reboot the Ultimate Universe, and there's been rumors about that for a long time also. I mean, they're not going to do it. Gerard? Oh, boy. I'm so excited. I can't wait to read this wonderful story. <laughs> wow. There's no sarcasm in your voice. I there. will buy five copies and support it with my dollars because <laughs> I desire to do these things. <laughs> um, I, I, I've not right. heard. Uh, I mean, there's been speculation. I seen like you know, will Marvel ever reboot? But I've not heard like legitimate. Like, wait a minute, this is the clue that they will reboot. I've not heard that specifically. If honestly, if they did, I, I don't really care because DC beat them to it. And if it, I, I hope it's just better than what DC did, but um, I can't say that like I, I, at this point in my life, I would, I would care that much. Then again, it's heavily rumored DC may be in in league for another reboot soon, so who the hell knows? We were, we were, Don and I were talking about All Star Batman and Robin a few days ago, and we said there's been two continuity reboots since the first issue of All Star Batman and Robin came out. Oh, man. Um, But this Spider Verse story, it's. It's real original. Um, I can't think of any time that something like this has happened before. Like a bunch of Spider-Man um, from different realities all teaming up to probably save all of reality. I mean, just imagine, you know, the places that they might go. Maybe a dimension where, um, um, you know, Spider-Man's rich and engaged to Gwen Stacy and still alive. Or... Does, but does he have his own robot? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I tried and, and, and Anna Watson likes him. Okay, and the kingpin's his lawyer. Uh, the fun fact: I never realized that the Spider Robot was a direct reference to the Spider-Man Japan show until like. Chase, speed up, Baka. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, our other bit of news is that where's my? Is that uh, we have an, a Scarlet Spider appearance on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Because I'm, I am the only one who watched the episode. Am I, should, should I explain this? Yes, you should, because it really hurts my heart. <laughs> well, <laughs> one day, while I was derpy on the internet, I found this uh, clip where uh, they're, they're broadcasting season three of Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, the one that we all hate. And uh, you have, like, you know, oh, this is happening, this is happening, he's going to be on the Avengers. And then you have this guy saying, I'm the Scarlet Spider, in this really doofy voice. And you have Scarlet Spider... Guy in a makeshift Scarlet Spider costume say these words. So uh, <laughs> the first person I thought of that would cry is Zach. So of course I sent him as fast as I could. 
And, <laughs> Thanks, Doc. And um, if you actually watch the episode, uh, massive spoilers for those who think they care. It's Flash Thompson just wanting to be a superhero for five minutes. And, and um, yeah. so Drake Bell says, please stop doing that. And um, it's actually a catalyst for him to become Venom because at that moment the symbiote gets on his boot and eventually turns him to Agent Venom. But uh, let's, he did, he did, he kind of thought up the name Scarlet Spider on the fly. Like, uh, Scarlet Spider, yeah, that 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 works. And Ken Ellis wasn't around to say that. So um, there's that. How? There's a clip online. If, uh, we'll post. I'll post it up on Spidey Dash, dude. But it's it's. Yeah, I was pissed, dude. <laughs> I, it's a mock turtleneck for God's sake. First of all. You you screw it up by by looking dopey. Second of all, more dopier than it originally looked. Second of all, it's a freaking mock turtleneck. That's not a hoodie. Betrayal. Zach, 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 Zach. Hoodies are uh, slap okay, wear. Ne- never, ever. No, the mock turtleneck's a... It's <laughs> <laughs> funny that you're so upset. <laughs> how, how does the name Scarlet Spider even make any sense in that context? Isn't the only red part of his costume is his mask? Shut no, up. <laughs> oh, his red sleeve. Oh, whatever. He also had like this, like that kind of like, like uh, ear twig thing that you get from American Gladiator for no reason in that shot. Because you know, that's, if anything, if anybody needs that kind of weapon, it's, it's Ben Riley or Flash Thompson. Yeah, and there's like a Ben Riley reference, like like before, Fla- like the I guess Flash has the idiotic hairdo, and I hate this hairdo. It, it's always bugged me from the from moment I saw it. It has like he has like a little lightning bolt etched on his head with his hair. Say what? And like the but, yes, Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, oh, like that, that, Flash. But like I guess it's oh, only on the sure. right side of his head or the left side of his head because the right side of his head <laughs> is just normal. So it, it looks like it's, Ben it's Riley. Like, if you turn like the, the sound off. When he unmasks, it looks like Ben Riley. The side of uh, his hair is separated by a, like an edged-in cut that separates the top of his hair from like the side of his hair. It's stupid. What? Yes, this exists. <sighs> if you're curious to see how it is, you can always watch the show. No! <laughs> don't even. Don't even. I watched the two-part pilot, and I still have it covered. <laughs> yeah. That's why we do a show called Spectacular Radio, folks. I gotta say, like, like, like I watched, I watched the first two episodes of the series when it first came out, and I thought that like it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. But I've seen the odd clip here or there, and like, we're not, we're all in our in our mid to late twenties, and um, so we're obviously not the target audience for the series. But it really is bad. I mean, it's it's just it's 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 almost kind of like taking the audience for granted and how silly it is. And Spider Man is not meant to be kind of kind of silly so it's if, if children like it that's all good for them but like I, there is legitimate problems with how they're handling the show in my opinion I don't even think the yeah. people who write the show like it all that much it, they don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> I talk to them they don't <laughs> that's the only way that I they if they have away. human empathy they cannot <laughs> right I, I, I hate this show I, I, I do and I hate to hate it because you know I, I want to like something that's Spider-Man but I enjoy hating it would you like uh, to like to hate it no <laughs> uh, okay anyway moving on to the bulk of our episode any other th- final thoughts on that um epic fail because we're four years ago Yes, kill it exactly. with fire. Hey, wait a second. If he showed up as a Scarlet Spider, does that mean he will appear in Spider-Verse? Oh, God, no. Oh, well, uh, there's actually going to be a Spider-Verse episode. Um, 
that's uh oh here it is i have an image of it you go, gonna be... we're gonna do a spider-verse episode <laughs> i know which one i'm calling no, no, it no. sick you... for no 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 uh ultimate spider-man's doing a spider-verse like multi-part episode you so. made a big deal the fact that like like uh josh keaton spider-man wasn't on there are they having like like the 90s christopher daniel barnes spider-man in there I would love to see I that, know. actually. I wouldn't watch it, but I would love to see that, because I would like to see... <laughs> he won't be able to punch anyone. <laughs> and he'll, and he'll keep, <laughs> they'll be in, like, a big battle, and then, like, you know, like, someone will fire a blaster at him, and all of a sudden he'll be in the sewer dodging it. You he'll, can't he'll, escape me, Drake Bell! I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! <laughs> ends of the earth! Yes. yes. Wait, were you impersonating Christopher Daniel Barnes as Spider-Man, or were you impersonating Drake Bell's many creditors? He's broke. He's he's more broke than I am. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. He's he probably has money off the books. There is no way. Maybe like, Josh. Can, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, we we do have an email, guys. By the way, who cares? Let me get. No. Let me get. It's from Big, it's from Big Al, right? <laughs> it's from Big Al. <laughs> hey, before it, it, before it, we go anywhere. Big Al, I would like to apologize for not reading your emails on the air of Spectacular Radio. They're just so long. And we got Greg on for only a limited amount of time most of the time, so... He did a like really the, nice email, because we, we reviewed the Spider-Man 2 movie, and uh, like, like we, we had an entire episode half-dedicated to his email. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to quickly read this email, and then we'll move on to the rest of the show. Says, uh, by the way, the email address is clonesiderchronicles at gmail.com. Uh, dear CSC, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the night of, your Night of the Lizard commentary. Not only do, did you guys do a great job, but you brought back a lot of fond childhood memories. My history with the 1994 cartoons a bit weird since I have no idea how or when I became aware of it. I just remember that as a kid I was desperate to see it, which was hard because it was mainly on Fox Kids before, which for many, many, year, many years my family didn't have or was rarely shown in on terrestrial TV here in the United Kingdom. But between the VHS tapes and catching at my friend's house, I remember seeing the debuts of the Lizard, Scorpion, Mysterio, the Green Goblin, Mary Jane, the Black Cat, the X-Men crossover, the wedding, Taina, Mousy Epic, an episode of Secret <laughs> Wars, and the, and the alien costume saga, which terrified him as a kid. Eventually, his family got Fox Kids, and he managed to record a weekend marathon the series, which he replayed religiously. To this day, he can quote ver- verbatim anything from the end of the second e- X-Men episode up, to, up until the episode where Peter is framed, including the commercials. The sad thing is the tape cut out just before Daredevil actually appeared. To add his two cents into the criticisms of the show, I have to admit having gone back and forth on liking and hating the show himself. Nowadays, I think that the criticisms are mostly unjustified and don't take into account the extenuating circumstances the show was working under, which is kind of disingenuous. Between the poor budget and censorship practices, the show really had its hands tied and was doing the best it could. Because of this stuff, you have to grade the show on a curve, and when you do that, it often transcends its limitations. To give this a real-world comparison, my friend is dyslexic, and when he's handed in the homework, the teachers would take that into account when evaluating his grade. When you know the limitations the show was under, it has to be considered when you're measuring its quality. That doesn't mean the show was perfect, but it was definitely a good show, despite the naysayers' claims. Greg. On the flip <laughs> Hey, I, I've warmed up to that show since Ultimate started airing. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to. He's actually about to t- comment on Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. <laughs> on the flip side, compare this show to the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, where they've got they've got more money, resources, and less censorship restrictions, and USM is vastly 
inferior adaptation of the character, and thus a far worse show than this. In comparing the show to Spectacular Spider-Man, he disagrees that Spec is inherently better. Honestly, I think both shows are equally good, but just in different ways. While Spec Spidey is more fluid in animation and fight scenes, he feels that 90 show oftentimes had a darker edge and felt more soap opera-esque to him. Not that Spec didn't have its dark moments or lack the soap opera, opera, but and he thinks overall Spec might be the better, quote, TV show. Well, the 90 show might be a better adaptation by virtue of being able to cover more material since it lasted longer. Even though Spec Spider was a brilliant adaptation, I feel you, that you were that were you to watch all of that compared to watching all of the '90s '90s show, the latter would give you a more well-rounded education about Spider-Man's mythology. Thanks to that show, I was able to jump into the comics very, very easily and be able to figure out the differences as he went along. In particular, while they weren't the exact same, he thinks the '90s cartoon did generally give you enough of an idea of each character's personality so that you weren't thrown off when you met them in the comics. This is especially true of Spider-Man himself, whose personality was completely spot on. On a final note, I kind of wish the Neogenic Recombinator did make it into the 616 universe. It was a perfect compromise between (laughs) the outdated radiation experiment from the 1960s and the more recent genetically altered spider explanation. It basically invented an entire branch of science which used radiation in order to genetically alter things, therefore, therefore up, thereby excuse me, updating the origin but not completing supplanting it. He's grown on long enough, so he'll, he's going to tell us to keep up the good work, and he looks forward to seeing you guys next time, whether it's on CSC or another commentary episode. Regards, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Uh, he, yeah, he, he can see us? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for the nudity. I apologize oh, for my current Bin Laden beard. I, I don't apologize for the nudity. <laughs> I never I'm, apologize. I whenever you say bro... <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> the bro count. We, we'll, we'll we, need, we need to do that on Spectacular Radio. We, we really do. <laughs> we will do that on the fan panel. We will not do it with Greg Weisman's Any bro is a dude bro. Dude bro. Okay, so uh, finally, this ep- so we got our emails. We don't have any voicemails this episode. Uh, Ron Friends didn't call the show. Um, Ron so. Friends drunk dialed me, though. <laughs> 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 but uh, the voicemail line leave is... Leave that out of the final show in case he listens. <laughs> okay, I will do that. Uh, in case he's a recovery alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> the, fi- the, the voicemail number is 818-925-6631. So that's the voicemail line if you want to leave us a phone call and uh, leave a name and number... Well, not name, <laughs> name and number, no. Name and where you're from, and what show you're calling for, since that's the call-in line for all of the Spidey-Dude.com network. Okay. Boys, are we ready for a return to Spider-Man? I think we are. I was born ready. Okay, so uh, this episode, we are covering uh, five issues of Spider-Man. Now, these five issues are going to be ran down by an individual panelist. As usual. As per usual, uh, the issues are Sensational Zero, Amazing Spider-Man number 407, Adjectiveless Spider-Man number 64, Spectacular Spider-Man number 230, and Unlimited Spider-Man, or excuse me, Spider-Man Unlimited number one, uh, 11, not number 1. 
So uh, those are the five issues. We're also going to cover a little bit of uh, there's a mini comic that was released of Sensational Spider-Man that came out in Wizard. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. But uh, first things first, I like to bring in the Life of Riley. It's, it's been an invi- invaluable resource, and if you haven't gone there, go to lifeofrileyarchives.blogspot.com and read it. Zach, this is not the time nor the place. Uh, so, oh, okay. Um, if you want to go there, it, it's about an afternoon's worth of reading, but it's definitely a great um, commentary to the uh, Spider-Man's Clone Saga. So, uh, part 18 is where we're going to pick up. Um, Glenn Greenberg is, is going to talk a little bit about the first issue we're going to cover, which is Sensational Number Zero. Glenn's comments, a decision was made to cancel Web of Spider-Man and replace it with a new ongoing monthly Spider-Man title to coincide with the Return of Spider-Man event. From where Glenn sat, the cancellation of Web was no great loss. He always felt that it was the weakest of the Spider-Books and that it never really had its own identity. It was never really able to hold on to a creative team for very long. The start... The idea of starting a brand new title with a top-flight creative team was not a bad one. In the old days... The new creative team probably would have just taken over Web and tried to inject that title with new life. Things had changed in the comic book industry by that point. It was much easier and cleaner to start with a fresh book. He's still not sure why the issue was number zero. Hmm. That was a gimmick that pretty much pre- that was pretty prevalent in the industry at the time, and we just bought he just they just bought into it. He guesses, but it makes no sense from a reader standpoint. It's the first issue of a new series, so why isn't it number one? There you go, the, the Josh. I, what exactly I don't need to comment on it now? He just said. Okay. <laughs> what exactly makes it number zero? Oh well, I guess the bottom line <laughs> is that the story and the art were good. <laughs> the number on the cover doesn't really matter. In the case of Sensational Zero, the story and art were very good indeed. Uh, I'll I'll pick up later. Um, so I just wanted to kind of get that started. So um, the mini comic was published in Wizard. Uh, it, Wizard did these every so often. They did like would do like issues like issue one half. But this is uh, mini-comic number three. It's called Spider-Man Forever. It's drawn by Dan Jurgens and written by Dan Jurgens. It picks up with um, Bruce the Gargoyle uh, and Ben Riley perched upon him. Uh, not really. I just wanted to make a 90s show reference. Basically, <laughs> I was about to say, really? That was the thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it basically gives you a, an entire recounting of Spider-Man's history. So this is, it's titled Spider-Man Forever, and it basically, if you want to see Dan Jurgens give you a brief history of Spider-Man up to that point, that's pretty much what he does. He talks about the burglar and Uncle Ben, and gives you images of Kane, or not Kane, um, of... Craven the Hunter, the Green Goblin, the Rhino, Gwen Stacy dying, Venom the Jackal, the the Spider Clones fighting for the first time, the marriage, Scarlet Spider, the revelation that Peter Parker was a clone, and well, by the end of it, Ben Riley in his disheveled look glares at you kind of creepily in the in the uh, <laughs> in the in the book, and then leaps off saying that there's he'll now and forever be the only one, the one and only Spider Man. I wanted the Belladonna reference. I'm sorry. Uh, which leads us to our first rundown of the of the night. Joshua Labbertoni, give us a rundown of sensational, sensational number zero. Which, like, I was like, oh, good, I get to do this title. And then, as I was writing the recap, I'm like, oh, god, it's about 300 pages. Um, <laughs> but it's 300 pages by Jan Jurgens and Klaus Jansen. Jan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens. I said Dan Jurgens. 
It sounded like you said Jan. Maybe it was. Ooh. <laughs> Dan Jurgens. <laughs> Have you ever seen Dan Jurgens and Jan Jurgens in the same place at the same time? <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And Klaus Jansen is the inker, so they're the two storytellers. On the cover, we have uh, the Spider-Man costume, um, you know, in, in a thing of webs. But the cover that I'm looking at, um, I remember there being, like, a 90s cover where, like, you, you don't see the costume or it's, like, a weird reveal of it. I don't remember. Yeah, it has a it has a holographic, like... Rectangle that's on it, and basically, if you hold it up and like turn it up and down, it basically shows you the original costume and like it changing and metamorphosizing to uh, the the bit, the Spider Ben costume. Marvel, pr- please bring those back. I miss them. No, no you don't. And <laughs> Riley, looking as scruffy as ever, is angsting at the grave of Aunt May and Uncle Ben while he thinks about his own origin. Just then, a thief robs a flower bender, and he reminds and. And it reminds Ben about the whole, like, I should never let a thief get away because of my origin story. So Ben catches the thief without changing to the Scarlet Spider or Spider-Man, and then, completely negating the, what he was just telling us, lets the thief get away. Like, him and the flower vendor are, like, talking, should we call the police or let his cousin Vinny beat him up? And he's like, oh, come on, man. He was just joking, I swear. And then runs off. As he and the flower vendor are like, hey, don't buy flowers from me. Buy flowers from my brother instead for some reason. Um, the scene's really weird. Ben then runs into Anna Watson. She doesn't make this easy for him the way that Angela Yin did during Scarlet Spider Month. <laughs> ben tells her he has to catch a bus, and that ends her line of questioning, but he realizes that he should probably address the fact that he looks like Peter, or situations like this will keep occurring. He then flashbacks to the Clone Saga to bring new readers up to speed, which brings us to the non-exposition part of the story. A corporate thief named Armada goes to an abandoned warehouse, which turns out to be the headquarters of the Great and Powerful Oz. Um, It's not really the Great and Powerful Oz, but that's what the guy looks like. In in, in case any listeners are taking this literally, he's being tasked with stealing a very important computer chip. Meanwhile, Ben needs to make some new lead fluid. He tells himself he can't go to ESU or he'll be recognized. Remember, because that's important later. Ben goes to the pharmacy and buys the material he needs to make web fluid, which comes out to 1650. Take that brand new day. There was a, <laughs> there was an issue of brand new day which says that like it costs thousands of dollars to make like a single batch of web fluid. What? We're, yeah. Um. Uh, I'm trying to remember which art. It might have been the Peter Parker paparot. No, it was earlier than that. But one of the of first course. arts. Yeah. We're reminded through various pieces of dialogue and money-hungry landlords that Ben is broke. After making a new batch of webbing, he heads over to a coffee shop called The Daily Grind to get a cheap meal and meet the supporting cast for his new direction. (laughs) (laughs) He meets the owner, Shirley, who actually is not named in this issue that I saw, and her young son, Devin. Shirley takes pity on Ben and gives him a meal, even though he's a 25 cents short. He then meets Desiree Winthrop, a blonde fashion model who is either a student at or works with um, ESU or it might be Centennial University. I have to go over the issue again, fashion department. It's Centennial. Oopsie daisy. Okay. We immediately learn that she's spoiled as she puts up a stink when she sees Ben in her seat. Ben doesn't care and leaves, realizing that he should go to ESU's fashion department. Oh, and and it's actually Centennial's fashion department. Huh? That messes up my notes. 
to make a costume. Because I had a whole joke here about how, oh, he can't go to ESU because he'll be recognized, but then he goes to ESU anyway. So it turns out that the story does make sense. He just goes to a different college. We then get a full page of a shadowed armada beginning his heist with these little robots that he calls various girls' names. Um, ben arrives at at Centennial's fashion department and goes to the fabric remains. We're treated to a splash page of possible costume ideas that are too good for words. My favorite is um, the 90s X-Men costume that looks like it could be from the Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah. <laughs> he, bar- he borrowed it from Seaward Trainer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we cut back to the heist as the guards cockily state that nobody has ever broken into their building before, and then a robot, like, zaps him in the face. Meanwhile, Ben looks over at his finished costume and notices a bottle of hair dye and suits up. Meanwhile, Armada is in the middle of the heist and roughing up science guys. Across town, we get our first full splash page of Ben as Spider-Man or Spider-Ben. But wait, we still have another supporting cast member to meet. A woman named Jessica sees Spider-Man and realizes at long last, I thought my chance was gone, and rushes off. Ben's Spider-Sense goes off. He briefly poses for Jessica's camera before swinging into the building Armada's robbing. Spider-Man saves the scientist from Armada, who sicks his little robot helpers on him. Uh-oh, his web shooters are jammed. Oh boy, isn't this a return the classic Spidey, eh guys? Just like the old days. Right? <laughs> right? Uh, 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 uh. You're so cruel. He uses his strength to kill the robots and notes that Armada is attached to them as if they were humans. He unclogs his webs and pursues Armada and his scientists hostage over the city streets. Everyone falls as Spider-Man is able to make the three of them land on a web cushion. He goes after the computer chip MacGuffin and knows that he, like the readers, are tired of these computer heists. The robot helpers get away with the chip, even though their master is unconscious, leading Ben to note that someone else is controlling them. The scientist offers a broken Spider-Man $100, but he says that he'll have a quarter instead so he can pay back surely. The robots take the stolen chip to their employer, which is the new Look Mysterio who's in a green jumpsuit, a cape, and he's holding his fishbowl helmet, which is off of him, and he has, like, a no. smoking head. That That's that's the uh, DIT chip. Smoking. He's holding the DIT chip. Uh, <laughs> we get our first look at new Ben, who's blonde, shaved, and has shorter hair. He gives Shirley back, he gives Shirley back her 25 cents, and she offers him a job. <laughs> Instead of laughing at him. Which means he, he can now afford to pay rent in an apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, that hundred. Yeah, who needs that hundred dollars? He gets an advance on his first paycheck and doesn't use it to pay the greedy landlord from the beginning. Not even greedy landlord. Probably just a landlord that you know needs the money right. instead of paying. Instead of paying his landlord from the beginning, he uses the money to buy flowers for Aunt May and Uncle Ben, who were too dead to enjoy them anyway. <laughs> well, except for Aunt May, you know, but um, but we don't. Know that. So, so he, he didn't even buy those flowers for his Aunt May. He wasted money on a genetically altered actress. <laughs> so he walks off, yada yada yada. Great power, great responsibility bold new direction and my hair is miscolored as a brunette for this panel so long everyone okay hey wait a second if the if the genetically modified actress is the one in the grave did they ever exhume her after they found out Aunt May was alive 
No, next question. Um, (laughs) Actually, because you do see, like, um, a different tombstone for the Parkers um, in the JMS run. (laughs) I guess, like, they just let her, like, keep on being dead there, and they just, like, moved Uncle Ben to a new grave on me. He's like, oh, no, (laughs) my dead husband is not sleeping next to something. That's right, because, like, you're buried next to Richard and Mary Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they probably just, like, use the occasion to buy new tombstones. <laughs> here lies not May Parker. She yeah, was low. Here lies, <laughs> here lies genetically altered actress. She, um, she willingly took a part that required her to die. So, yay for dedication. And she didn't win an Oscar for that? Jeez. <laughs> I gave my life for that performance. Literally. So, so uh, thus ends... The first Ben Riley epic, if you're following along on the trades. So, uh, there you go. Now we're going into Ben Riley at book two. But first, we're going to get everybody's thoughts. Um, I'm going to start with Josh. What was your, uh, what was your, what was your pros, cons, and greats? I mostly like this. Um, this was, they did do some of the clone exposition at the beginning, which, like, every clone saga issue does. Um, and I thought it was stupid to let the burglar get away after he said, I'll never let a burglar get away again. But it's... <laughs> it For a story that had to set up a new direction and, like, introduce new characters, I think it did its job well. It wasn't... There was exposition, but it wasn't too exposition-y. Like, we were able to figure out, like, you know, who these characters were, like Desiree, Shirley, and Devin, without too much of them, like, expositing who they were, like some writers would do. Uh, right. And it this is just so refreshing after months of, you know, Ben, be, like, you know, winking at the readers, like, boy, I have to be a bodyguard. But wait, there's a twist. I hate the guy who I'm the bodyguard for? What is this? Like... Here, stuff is just happening, and we as readers experience the stuff happening, instead of, you know, Ben grabbing us through the book and shaking us, saying, don't you get it? Don't you get it? Um, right. As I alluded to in my recap, I thought that it, the running out of web fluid and the web fluid being jammed thing was a little too on the nose to try and say, like, it's classic Spidey again. Uh, but otherwise, I enjoyed this. I, I didn't really like the computer chip stuff that much, though. Um and I like the way that they address the whole Ben looks like Peter and we have to do something about this um, by having him run into Aunt Anna. Uh, that, that was a good way to get around it, and it didn't beat you over the head with a point. It happened. Ben reacted to it happening and then did something about it. I, I do think it was ridiculous that he like went all the way back to pay this woman back 25 cents as he turns down $100. You know, he's... Uh, that's a nice guy. That cross that he's building for himself, you know, is a little big. Um, <laughs> and, and then he's like, but I need an advance on my paycheck, you know. Why? To buy flowers for my dead aunt and uncle. Aww. You know, like, cut, come on. It's, and this is where I say no. Say, yeah. Uh, I didn't like that stuff, but it didn't ruin the story for me. The art was great. Um, the characters did not feel off. Um, and I liked... I liked the panel of uh, Ben, like, trying out his new web fluid in his apartments, like, where he's making it into a shield and stuff. I like the splash page of the different spider costumes. This this was good. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed that as well. Uh, Donovan, what are your thoughts? Um, I really like this issue. In fact, I think that, like, this and the majority of the issues for, for tonight 
are some of the honestly like like some of the best we've read in a long time on this podcast. And that's not to like you know complete. That's not just for me to take up time damning what we've read in the past, all of it at least. But like this is this is legitimately good. Like the pacing is really good. The artwork is markedly different. There are still some like you know colorists that are like less that leave to be desired. But by and large, I'm really liking the artwork for most of these. Um, I will say though, like honestly, and I know. We, Zach and I have kind of gone up against this before. I don't think Gloss Jansen works well for Spider-Man as much as he's put on here. I'll give him that he works well with John Romita Jr., but I think that he does get in the way of Dan Jurgens' art. Dan Jurgens' artwork is great, and, and, it, and it ends up remaining great. I think Gloss Jansen just makes it a bit too rustic for my taste, because Spider-Man should have a bit more of a, more of a uh, colorful side to him. And maybe it works for this issue, because he's still kind of getting back in the game from being Ben Rock. But I do feel that like Klaus Jansen's work is ultimately unfitting for the character. But that's kind of a brief aside. Um, I really like this issue because like we we can, we can kind of snark at it like oh they're this like you know them trying to do like the first episode of the new season of Spider Man or whatever. But I think that the way they're doing it is very effective. Like I like the fact that Ben's primarily concerned with like getting a costume back, you know, fixing his web shooters. He can barely feed himself and get a job. And I thought that he is just broken. And they do spend the, they do spend the extra pages de- demonstrating how far down he is. Like he, he doesn't realize how bad he looks. He says, "I don't I don't have a costume right now. What, what am I what am I going to do?" And he's, he's not all that sullen about it. He kind of takes his time and goes at it methodically, which I enjoy. Um, like Josh, I really was not paying attention to like the super love plot. Like not even kind of. I kind, I really was kind of like skimming over that. But like the Ben Riley stuff, I really really enjoyed. Uh, there are some really nice uh, images. Like I love the first image of Spider-Man as he's coming out of the window and he's he's full, almost fully in shadow, with like you see a Spider-Man, but like you know, oh the gloves are different. Oh, I, I thought that was, that was a badass uh, panel right there. And um, Dan Jurgens isn't, isn't my favorite artist during this era. I'm not like Bagley or, or later on Ringo, but like I mean, uh, as a writer, I thought this is I thought this is particularly well done. You know, I, I thought that like uh, um. Maybe some, some, some things may be a bit silly, but I thought I liked I liked how it was a it was a very very clean transition from the uh, kind of like dour Ben Riley days to like this new Stephen Ben's life being Spider Man and reiterating why he wants to be Spider Man, why he feels he needs to be Spider Man. So yeah, I thought that this this was really really good. Uh, yeah, what's your grade? Uh, a. A. Okay. And uh, Josh, your grade was an A or B? I never gave it a grade, but it's an A minus. A minus. Okay. Uh, we'll go with Gerard. Uh, wow, I'm going to be really in the minority on this one. I thought it was okay, but I didn't particularly think it was that good of an issue, really. Um, wow. Ma- mainly because I just I was so disengaged from the the super villain plot, so to speak, of like the story with Armada because Armada just sucks. Can we just like he looks really stupid and. Like, talking to the robots with names and being all attached to them, and the convoluted plot of, like, getting some disc, or... I, I lost track of what was even going on with that part of the plot, but... What year was this again? <laughs> Mid-90s, all you need to know. <laughs> something, something, cyber, something, something. 1990 cyber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we've got way too many of these plots already in the Clone Saga, and there's still more to come, so... And even Ben Riley says it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There was there was that, and and I think that whole angle of him being like poor and down on his luck, and especially the whole bit about how rusty he is, 
like a lot of that was was a little overdone for my taste. I agree, it's a good idea yeah. to like do that stuff, but they really hit you over the head. I think it's probably just because it was like a an extra sized issue. Like if it was a normal sized issue, I think I'd be okay with it. But all those extra pages worth of that stuff kind of graded on me after a while. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I like that they had all pretty much all the supporting characters are, are put on the table at least, and you get a little bit about each of them. And, hmm. and generally, and this is, I mean. We we made fun of the fact that it was issue number zero from that whole Life of Riley thing, but it actually is a pretty good jumping on point if you if you hadn't been reading the Clone Saga up to this point, right? Because I, I mean, yeah, most of the issues have some sort of recap, but at least here you're getting that, and it's sort of the start of something fresh, rather than like you're getting a recap, but it's at the beginning he's already chasing down like the lizard or something, and you're like, well, what? Right. So at the very least, you know, it, it does pro- deliver with what it promises. And uh, as far as Jurgens goes, I don't know. I, yeah, he's a good artist, but I don't think this is his best work here. Oh, no. At, no, no. He, he works a lot better with, like, uh, oh, who inked his Superman run? Was it Brett Breeding? Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, give me a second. That I do know this. If it wasn't, if Dan Jurgens, it was, um, maybe I don't know this. It was, I, I it was one of the other artists. On um, on uh, during during that the Death of run, yeah, I know, I know. Breeding was inked a lot of it. I don't remember if it was Justice League or Super. But either way, like you need somebody like that who has a cleaner style to ink to ink Jurgens. I think that works a lot. But like somebody like Scott Hanna would work great with him. But like oh, yeah. Klaus Jansen is just not <laughs> the artist for. And like Don said, he's not the artist for a Spider-Man book in general, really. He works a lot better for a character like Daredevil or the Punisher or something like that. But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, the art does shine through. I mean, he's a good draftsman and, like, his decisions are good. Hard to follow a lot of the stupid robot stuff, but I don't think that's his fault as an artist. That's more his fault as a writer. Um, uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting a feeling that that was kind of hoisted up. The Marta part was like, hey, you gotta do something cybernetic because that's what all the cool kids want. Uh, yeah, but uh, his yeah, editor said in a backwards, you know, baseball cap. He's dressed up like Kid Vid from Burger King Kids Club. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Kid Vid. <laughs> Didn't they have? Was wasn't, wasn't Kid Vid on a team, and he had like the kid in the wheelchair with him? It was nicknamed Wheels. Wheels. Oh, was, it, was it the Bird King Kids or something like that? Something like that. The yeah, Bird King Kids Club. Yeah, but they had like a oh. super team. It was, oh my god. But yeah. They fought crime. It's all mysteries. What I guess. Yeah, well, like, like where'd the water go? <laughs> <laughs> Who ate it? It's <laughs> the Hamburglar. Oh, wait, that's crossing the streams. Oh. <laughs> that, that, was, that was in their epic crossover. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yeah, I would give this like a C plus. Uh, I definitely didn't like it as much as you guys did, but C plus. Wow. Okay, uh, Greg, it's your first time reviewing '90s stuff. <laughs> You're right. Well, I actually like this issue a lot compared to some recent jumping on points that have been done in Spider-Man. I feel this one is very clean. Yeah, the plot is a bit stupid, but I think the character work is terrific. I mean, I enjoyed watching Ben Riley build up his new status quo, his new supporting cast, and it felt very organic. I mean, yeah, the 100 bucks in the, 20, in the quarter was a bit forced, but 
again, I guess creating on the curve compared to some of the stuff they're doing now, it feels like the most organic thing in the world. Relatively speaking, and um, Armada has one of the stupidest designs I've ever seen, even by 90s standards. I think some stupider designs, to be honest. Oh, I didn't say it was the stupidest. I said it was one of the stupidest. <laughs> I don't know. Im- Im- Image had a long list of contestants for that one. There's be- a reason I avoided Image back then. <laughs> be it as it may. And um, Mysterio's new look. Okay, I understand Mysterio has a very goofy look, but if they're trying to make him look badass, all he did was succeed in making them look even goofier. But um, speaking of goofy costumes, I love that page with all the costumes he's considering, although I look at this one too as Guardian. What were these Guardians wearing in the mid-90s? Was it on the time where, like, uh, uh, when did Thor have a beard and a ponytail? And, and like a leather jacket. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So Early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. Two X, yeah the, the 2X-Men one is the... I know his costume now... His costume now is different, because I, I remember... He, he, had like, he had, like, a mid-drift during this era, because in Marvel vs. DC, he had, you could see his belly button, as though he were a, t- a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And um, so far, the new Jessica characters actually interesting. I mean, if she were done nowadays, it would feel even more forced, but this year, it doesn't annoy me. I say, okay, what's the deal here? Makes, I mean, but this did what it had to do. It set up the new status quo quite well, um, and um, it made me want to see what happens next. I remember reading these when they came out, and it was a nice change of pace from the Scarlet Spider issues. I haven't read those since in over 20 years, and I'm so glad no, I wasn't on the show. I'm, I'm going to. But, um, but yeah, it's fun, and the only thing that really dates it is the uh, artwork. I like Dan Jurgen's work. I agree the inking isn't quite so good, but um, good lord, that's, that model's outfit is hideous. Welcome back, 90s. I've missed you. But overall, I give it an A-. minus. I enjoyed it. Is that everybody? Uh, yeah, that's everybody. Me. Hang on. Right. I have a question for you guys. Um... Because yeah. I'm, I don't know if I remember this right. Do they later retcon out Centennial and just turn it into ESU? I think they do. Truly, because because I remember after the Clone Saga, Daily Grind is basically right on ESU's campus all of a sudden. Because Peter and Mary Jane start going there. Just try and um, see the supporting cast again. Maybe, maybe like ESU, like. Between the panels, did a hostile takeover of Centennial. Can a school take over another school? <laughs> no, that wouldn't actually be that crazy because that actually happened. Because yeah. ESU is basically the equivalent of NYU, and within the last ten years, NYU did actually take over another college here. They bought uh, Polytechnic University and became NYU Polytechnic. The uh, dastards! So that's not actually that crazy. They could have just taken over Centennial and it became like. ESU Centennial Campus or something. It's going to have to happen. The note rises in the mail. Or the ed- editors forgot. Or I could just be wrong because my memory is, is is rice pudding. Yeah, I wrote ESU throughout my recap because for some reason like I had in my head that Desiree went to ESU. Who knows? Right. I, yeah. The shadow knows. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts the of hearts men. The hearts of men. Sweet. The, the Bird King Kids Club, of course. 
<laughs> That's going to be our running gag for the episode. Okay, um, so I'm going to give my thoughts right quick. The uh, This issue, like everybody said, it does a really good job of setting up this world. And, by the way, what a breath of fresh air after doing the last two months of Scarlet Spider books. Before that, it was Gray's Responsibility. Before that, it was Max. It's been a long time since we've gotten this type of quality in a, in a single issue. So... Um, I'm just going to say this. I, I'm, I'm giving it an A. And I like the artwork, but I, I see you guys' complaints. It is kind of uh, sketchy. It's not Jurgen's best stuff. And I think it is the inking. Um, the good news is, is now Josh doesn't have to make fun of Peter uh, Peter Parker, of Ben Riley looking disheveled with his beard. So, his long ass hair. Or his long ass hair. No more. Um, this is the end of the Lorenzo Dale. Uh, Lorenzo Lamas. Lorenzo Lamas. Lorenzo Lamas era of, of Ben Riley, and now we have transitioned effectively to Zach from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> can, we have a moment, can we have a moment of silence for, for Lorenzo Lamas, Ben? No. I think we need to. I was, oh, was going to say um, Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah, kind of a Brad Pitt. He, yeah. he really looks like Brad Pitt in one particular panel where he first enters the Daily Grind after he dyed his hair. Yes, yes, he does. Yes, yes, I, yes, I think he does look like the guy from uh, Saved by the Bell, but you know, I'm, <laughs> we're not going to split hairs on this. They're going to have a, they're going to have a reunion. Saved by the Bell, or not Are a reunion, they, a document. I don't know. So there's some Saved by the Bell shit happening. Well, like that wasn't that like perpetuated by Jimmy Fallon? But the, was he trying to get that get that done? I know he was, but like there's some there's some documentary that they're making on Saved by the Bell. I don't know. Facebook says. Oh, oh wow. Of course, and if it's on Facebook, it has to be. But it, it, it it's in that trending thing in the right hand corner. Oh, is it really? Is it right now? No, it was a week ago or so. Oh, I was like, right now, what? apparently Seth MacFarlane's doing something for Reading Rainbow, according to that Facebook sidebar. What? What? Why is it? Why? Just why? You're hey, right. remember that? Hey, remember that time back when we read this book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, clearly Seth MacFarlane oh. hates when kids read. Oh, Clear, clearly, huh? Clearly, clearly. What an adjective, or not adverb? I should say. You know, the only bad bad news about this is is that, well, we'll be retiring the Renegade theme. No, yeah. no, yeah. you can't. But Zach, right, cheer up. Like some days when you wake up in the morning and the something, something, something. I don't think I'll ever make it on time. <laughs> I got my books and I give myself a look. I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus fly by. I hear both in the background. <laughs> all right. There you go. It's all right because I'm saved by the bell. And hey, we can make Angelina Jolie jokes too. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can. Or Jennifer Aniston, because it is for <laughs> So, uh... <laughs> I did that for Donovan. I appreciate it. Um, no, you're welcome. Um, so... Yeah, I, I like the artwork, I like the story. Armada is a very weak villain. I do like the introduction of Mysterio. Um, fun fact, I think, according to Life of Riley, um, John Romita Jr. actually redesigned uh, Mysterio. So, there you go. Oh, no, Sharon Jr., what have you done? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think this is a terrible design. It's, I, I prefer the original design, but, like, I think it's, it, it evokes... Okay, never mind. I hear people... It, it's, it, I know. It's the straps. I know where you're going. It, it looks like a gimp. 
Okay, so I, I mean, honestly, I think that the uh, I, I like the I like the Mysterio. I kind of like the Mysterio redesign. It's it's, it's fine. Um, Amano, like I say, was weak. Uh, the DIT chip. Why is it like? Why is it the Watcher's eyeball now? I I, I don't know. That's I, timely. I know, right? Um, but hey, you know, it's virtual reality. It's the it's it's, it's yeah. We we discussed that ad nauseum a lot. So. Uh, with that, I'll give it an A, and I'll give it over to our next recap of Amazing Spider-Man, which is Greg Bishansky. Ah, my first. Okay. Your very first, yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is Amazing Spider-Man issue 407, and it features a cover with Ben Riley's Spider-Man kicking Sandman in the chest while Silver Sable looms above them menacingly on a rooftop. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I really don't uh, mean to be rude, but... Would, do we want to uh, just briefly say what we think about Ben's new costume? I like it. We, I was going to say we could talk about wearing Spider Girl's costume. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, you. <laughs> I wish we could right, the very end of this whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll we'll discuss it. Okay, sure, fair, 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 that's fair enough. Okay. All right, this cop. This comic is written by Tom DeFalco. Yay, my first one, and I get a DeFalco. Penciled by Mark Bagley. Get a Mark Bagley my first time out, also. I'm really lucky. Inked by Larry... This is this is to make up for the fact I made you I made you actually read Minimum Carnage for your first time on the show. You are not quite forgiven, but an A for effort. <laughs> right. Inked by Larry Maustet. Lettered by Bill Oakley. Colored by Bob Sharon. And computer steps by Malibu. Remember oh. Malibu? And edited by Bob Boudier. Well, they're back in pog form. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Blast from the Past. We open it to the Daily Bugle where where J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie Robertson are wondering what happened to the original Spider-Man and who this new guy is. And and J.J. posits that it might be the, the old guy in a new costume. They're not sure. Then he lights up a cigar and Robbie calls him uh, on it. I thought you swore off cigars. No, I didn't. Joe Casada didn't arrive yet. Dun 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 dun. Meanwhile, the Human Torch flies past the Daily Bugle, and he lights up a sign in the sky saying, "Meet at the usual place at 6 p.m. Looking for for Spidey." Then we cut to the Daily Grind, where we meet a. Weird guy in a point. Wow, we are in the nineties with a with this guy with the worst sunglasses, ponytail, and mustache who, that I've seen in a long time. And that fashion model from the last issue comes in, and this scene isn't all that important. <laughs> important, but yeah, Ben, yeah, ben met Desiree in Sensational Issue Zero. I'm operating on one hour of sleep in forty eight hours. So yeah. Ben heads off to meet up with the Human Torch while we cut to the Simkarian Embassy where... Holy crap, what the hell is Silver Sable wearing? Silver Sable and Norman Osborn... Not a bra! <laughs> Silver Sable and Norman Osborn, I mean Flint and Marco, are discussing... <laughs> well, he looks just like Norman Osborn here. Well, he always does, but... <laughs> what do yeah, you mean, here? Just... <laughs> <laughs> of course he looks like Norman Osborn. Aren't they cousins or something? <laughs> I hate you, Gerard. I hate you. <laughs> new members of the Wild Pack, and then what happened to Spider-Man and who this new Spider-Man could possibly could possibly be, and they want, and 
and Sir Sybil wants Sam in to find out, and so yeah, I'm sorry, I'm really tired right now. So Spidey meets up with a Human Torch, and where he is attacked, and we and it turns out that this is actually a construct by Hexus, who is watching on a monitor. <laughs> nice. Toxic law. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Hexus. It's Mysterio, who looks a lot like Hexus, dressed up as the Gimp, who is who wants to who's talking about ruling the airwaves, creating his own television network, and then the destruction of Spider-Man. Ooh, and then we get a scene where Ben Riley visits Seward Trainer, who is in a coma. And okay, forgive me for asking. It's been a while since I've read them. How did he end up in the coma again? He uh, trapped in the uh, internet. Oh, yeah, right, right. right. He was fighting um, um, Magneto's forces <laughs> on the internet. He's fighting okay. the biggest one. Check yeah, out Seward Trainer, Nerd Computer Ace, when surfing through the internet, got trapped in cyberspace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, didn't he get beat up by, like, skeletons and dinosaurs and stuff? Try yes. <laughs> yeah. The answer to that honest question is yes. It's not like we covered this on, on this very show mere months ago. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile... Ben Riley leaves, and he's thinking about what to do next. He's got a job, and he needs to find Armada, and he needs to find a decent apartment. And I want to know what exactly he expects to get on a on a uh, employee at a coffee shop's salary in Manhattan. If only he wasn't spending thousands of dollars a week on flowers for dead people he's not related to. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the triple threat. Yeah, I mean... Meanwhile, Silver Sable and Sandman are plotting to ambush Spidey at Liberty Island when Ben Riley spots him, and he doesn't quite recognize Silver Sable, and he's not entirely sure what's up with Sandman because he hasn't been keeping up with his old rogues gallery while he's been a- away. And, um, oh yeah, oh, Ben, by the way, Harry Osborne's dead, your best friend, remember him? You might want to know. <laughs> Added, man. And so, and so he changes into Spider Man, and he, and and he and uh, Sandman get into a into a fight, and and then we cut to Jessica, who is uh, de- developing photos she took of Spider Man, and her friend suggest Amnique suggests she become the next Peter Parker. But uh, I'm really sorry. And then we cut back to the fight scene, where pretty impressive fight scene. But it's Mark Bagley art, and Human Torch joins in, and Hey, Silver Sable magically changes from her civilian gear into her costume really quickly. I like to imagine there's. I like to imagine there's a, a scene here that was cut where she's just like getting naked, or like on like the pier and like the streets and stuff, like changing her clothes, and then everybody's like, just like, oh, look over there. Like, wait, that makes Silver Sable wear, wait, is Silver Sable wearing a different outfit? Yes, yeah, she is. Oh, holy sh! The Daily Bugle should do a front page story wondering if that's the same Silver Sable, and all of her friends should like write in the sky and like. <laughs> For yeah, later. So, so Human Torch shows up, and Silver Sable says we are at a stalemate, and uh, she offers to <clears throat> to hire Human Torch. Of course, Human Torch doesn't want to become a mercenary, and he flies off, and Sandman makes nice with Ben, and then they head off, and Ben wonders what the hell's in store for him next, and he doubts it'll be pleasant, because he's reddish Peter Parker 75. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay, uh, give us your give us your grade and your pros and cons. Okay, my grade would be I'll give it again an A minus. My pros, I'm a huge Mark Bagley fanboy, especially in this era. I love the artwork. This is a beautiful issue to look at. 
I don't have any particular cons for the issue. I mean, it, it seems standard. It's picking up where the last one left off, and it's been adjusting to being Spider-Man again and encountering an old foe, not quite knowing where he stands with this old foe. But don't worry, Ben. Sandman will be a bad guy again soon enough. Oh, wait, you'll be dead when that happens. <laughs> Enjoy your Spain. War. War, 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 war. Enjoy your stay while it lasts. Yes. Okay. But overall, um, I, give, I give it an A minus. I enjoyed it, and I have no real complaints. It didn't. It didn't stand out as anything spectacular or amazing. So I'm not giving it more sensational or adjectiveless. <laughs> Ultimate, untold tale, <laughs> astonishing. Uh, okay, Don, uh, Donovan, since you spoke up first. Uh, question. Uh, that Green Goblin issue that we covered during Cyber War, what issue was that? Issue three. Really? Okay, because in the, uh, in the um, Bob's Box area where they're advertising the next this the month's issues, they have issue four. For some reason, I thought it was, it was later than that, but never mind. Um, no, Cyber War was last month. Rick oh, was sick of yeah, the, yeah, there's still Scarlet Spider stuff happening simultaneous to this, right? Whole, oh, no, yeah, really? Yeah, there there's is. A, there's a story called Nightmare on Scarlet. I will talk about that. The same month? Yes. yes. It's, it's, I will talk it's about that. It's not Ben Riley as Scarlet Spider, so... Okay, so, so like, 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 as far as the readers know, uh, like, there's not a comic book out on the stands now where he's been a Scarlet Spider anymore. There, there's no, a Scarlet be, Spider yeah. comic, but Scarlet Spider's not Ben. Okay, but that's all well good, because, like, with five comics, that would be ridiculous. Anyway... <laughs> yeah, I'm mad for nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boiling I, rage at 20 years ago. I okay. This this is story back in, in the past. I definitely remember when Sensational Number Zero came out, but I don't remember like the inside content stuff besides a few things I've seen later on. But I definitely remember this issue, and then I'll say a couple of times later on. But this is this this was um a serious blast from the past for me. Like like. Um, and this is again like when I was first getting to Spider Man, like the cover I've, I've never forgotten, but the interior is like uh, P- uh, Joe and uh, Robbie, Joe and Robbie, Jameson and Robbie talking about where's Spider Man going. It kind of reminds me of um, the issue of the black costume. Because was that the same thing? Like, was it whatever happened to the heroes and Spider Man? It, it, be, it began the same way too, with like Joe being like Robbie, your it, headline sucks. You suck at the job that I promoted you for when I retired because of Scorpion. <laughs> Um, and, it, and they're both written by Tom DeFriggin DeFalco. DeFalco? Yeah, it's just, it's just, well, I mean, I'm not sure if I should damn him for reading himself for t- well, between 10 well, years. Well, then or, again, does, doesn't the reboot ASM number one also start like this? Uh, which one? Yep. The, 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 um, the Burn Mackey one. Yes. Oh, uh, it's the team in sports being like... Yeah, ex- except like... Um, Jonah makes the headline. Like Jonah's back to controlling the bugle for some reason, even though he's not editor in chief right. anymore in that one. Because he's like Spider Man's, like, and the Avengers hold like a special meaning about that. Like Jonah's We've gone too this picture far. long enough. <laughs> Jonah's gone too far this time. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, I, I listened to the episode of Classics where we covered that recently. Well, the one where you went, the, the one where you went to a boiling rage. Yeah, oh my God, God I, that was hard to listen to. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> Aww. There's some um, really classic images of this uh, of Mark Bagley, and it's like just pretty much any time Spider-Man seems swinging around, like when he first sees this. Uh, well, like in that image of the mysterious sort of like hologram thing where he sees upside down a Human Torch, 
uh, when he rips, redoes the shirt rip in the next image of him where he's kind of like with his splayed out Kirby hands like hold it big fella and like uh, a lot of these images are actually reused in the Spider-Man Unmasked uh, book they brought they kind of popped out I was out gonna right bring now. that up yeah well yeah. <laughs> let's do it like um, after the Clone Saga they came up with this book called Spider-Man Unmasked which kind of like was basically a big info book on Spider-Man and like uh, their entry for Silver Sable Human Torch and Sandman were like uh, were all from uh, were all included there because uh, the whole that, that page where Sandman tries to punch Ben are you trying to commit suicide what it's like that's from that's included there the, the sexy image where Silver Sable like you know shows her costume that's included in there and the image where Human Torch says believe it as always Naruto that's included in there and um like, but generally the, the artwork was perfect because it's badly. But like, I think particularly this book, because it wasn't hampered by stupid colors, was really really nice. Uh, Story wise, I think it was fine. I think it was it was a nice like you know, as a not I don't want to say a number one issue, obviously, but it, it kind of serves as a number one issue in in some instances. You know, like it's sort of like you know him being back in the fold with all the characters that Spider Man knows, but or they know Spider. But Ben doesn't know. It's it's fair enough. Um, this is definitely of an era because Sandman's uh, with Silver Sable, which I remember, but you know it's been a long time since. Um, I think the art again, once again, the art kind of carries it more for me. But this, that's not to say the story was bad. Just the story was less memorable than the wonderful artwork. But I'd give it about a B. Okay, uh, Josh. How many times have Marvel heroes changed their costumes? His costume's not even all that different, and everyone's like, it's a different guy. You know, like, when he had the black costume, I can understand that. This is a slight freaking variation. <laughs> like, like, it is almost the same costume. Like, how many times ha- have Marvel heroes, and even the masked ones, changed their costumes, especially in the 90s, when, like, Sue Once had... Once per movie. <sighs> That's a very I'm, good point. I'm, I'm trying to talk like pre-movie though, like just just to give this context of the times to say, well, it was the '90s, things were different. Everyone's costume was changed. Otherwise, I love the issue. I love the beginning with Joe and Robbie because there was a time, legitimately, where the writers remembered that Jonah is not the editor in chief of the Bugle, but you can still have him and Robbie like debate about the paper in their respective jobs. Whereas, like, some writers forgot that Jonah actually retired and that was a big deal, you know, and he can't, like, just create any headline for the Daily Bugle that he wants. So I like that scene between them. And I like, I don't know if it was deliberate of the Fockel or not, but how it mirrors um, the beginning of uh, ASM 252. I like him getting in touch with Spider-Man's world again, like, seeing things that have changed since he's been gone, like Sandman being a hero. By the way, that Silver Sable costume thing, I think she's wearing a trench coat over her suits, and then she takes yeah, it off. I'm looking again, and you're right. She is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love, like, him thinking, oh, no, it's Sandman, and he's obviously still a bad guy. He could, he could show up with the Sinister Six at any moment now. Um, and then, like, Sandman afterwards, like, asking him for a beer, like... A, I like that version of Sandman and Human Torch being mad at him because he doesn't think it's like his buddy Spidey and him being like, boy, the Sandman's, you know, my enemy. And the, I mean, the Sandman's my friend and the Human Torch is my enemy. What kind of world is this? It, it, some in some books and in some writers, that line would be delivered very obnoxiously. I liked it here and it was said it wasn't overstated. And then the book moves on. I love the Mark Bagley art. Um, ben, when he's like, um, the scene where he's talking to Desiree, you notice she calls his hair pretty fly. So, oh, yeah. Uh, 
So there's the date. For a white guy. And then, <laughs> and then he's thinking, oh boy, I could sure go for Desiree. Aw, oh, who am I kidding? And then the panel where he's like, aw, oh, who am I kidding? He looks like he could be on the cover of like a Calvin Klein ad or something. <laughs> Especially from the 90s. Hollywood homely. Look at him. I mean, I'm a guy, but I'll say this. He's hot in that. Like, And he's like, oh, if only I could ask Desiree out. But I'm, you know, like... Look at the strokes page, Hollywood homely. That's not even Hollywood homely, though. No, yeah, he's dashing. Yeah, even by by Hollywood standards, he's dashing. He's not like... Puny Parker with the big, you know, bottle cap glasses. The, and the like, first panel of him in this, and like his hair is like, you know, kind of like the way his hair looks. Like he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio almost. <laughs> yes. So like, oh, yeah, God. like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, cut, cut, cut the crap, man. You can't do this. Like, oh, if only I could ask the hot girl out when you're in, you know, like this tight black shirt that, like, you know, fl- that shows off your abs. You're kidding. You're kidding no one, Ben Riley. <laughs> I, 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 I guess the assumption is that, like, you know, his life's too crap for him to, like, you know, make a date and make, make it last. But it does it does really, like, you know, uh, she's totally out of my league when that's not exactly the case. <laughs> we'll find out later. Yeah, I, I, I remember it's been a year since I read these books, but I remember, like, they were the, – didn't she have psychic powers in the later books? Yes. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> like, and when um, I say was, psychic powers, I, I don't mean like Jean Grey, like you know, but I mean like, kind of like um, Daphne from Frasier, psychic. Oh, that's. I'm a wee bit psychic. I'm a little bit yes. psychic. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that with Swarm, <laughs> the Nazi skeleton government. Oh, right, I have that issue. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, that's it. Okay. So, Gerard, have you given your thoughts? No, I have not. No. I actually really like this issue in contrast to the last one. Um, other than that whole like fake out Spidey torch fight, which was total BS. I hate when they do stuff like that in, in any medium, but especially in comics, because you have such a limited amount of space. If you're going to waste a couple of pages on stupidity like that, you're just I, I just feel, I could watch my money being burned on the page. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's in character for hexes to do. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, he's not polluting the environment, but that's that's two issues from now, not this one. Um, uh, Bagley's art in this is so good. But Don, I gotta ask you this because you usually have a good eye for this stuff. Is it my is it my imagination, or does it look more like his later work on Ultimate Spider-Man? Um, Some, there's something about the coloring that makes this look a little off to me. Well, you know what it is, though? Like, I mean, like, I think that panel where, again, I mentioned before, he says, oh, hold on, big fella, that's more akin to an Ultimate Spider-Man kind of pose, because his Ultimate Spider-Man Peter has his hands out like the kind of Kirby pose a lot, and I don't remember that happening around his earlier ASM work, but otherwise, um, you're talking about the coloring? Um, I wasn't picking up on that, I don't think. I don't know, I, I just got that vibe from that. It's not a complaint. Oh, yeah, so no. I think his work on Ultimate Spider-Man is also very good, but I don't know. It was something that was taking me out of the issue a little bit because I was just like getting a little dazed reading it. Um, I, I, I like that they use continuity well here where Ben shows up and he doesn't recognize Silver Sable right away. And he thinks that Sandman's a bad guy because at last time he checked, he, you know, Sable was introduced long after he had already quote-unquote died. 
and Sandman was still a villain, so that was nice. And then, but then they quickly turn it around and have him be like, you know, oh, well, you know, I saw her on a talk show or some something stupid. Yeah, like that. I have a question. What kind of mercenary goes on Letterman? Well, she's not solely a mer. She's also a head of state. So like it's like who's also know, a mercenary? Well, yeah, but, wow. well, yeah, but it's like it's like when you know Obama shows up on like Letterman or something like that. I'd imagine, yeah, right? But be like, Obama's not hunting people down with it and killing them or capturing them with his bare hand, just with drones. Literally, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna make the drones joke. Damn it! Otherwise, uh, here, here, here comes the, the punchline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you're not you're not reading the Obama comic series. <laughs> Rock the, Ob- the barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where he fights the Avengers and the Defenders and the Hulk. I don't know. This issue was a lot of fun. It, it also has a really. Yeah. Uh, I, oh my god! I already forgot who alluded to this. I think it was Greg talking about the fight scene that's in it. And it's a really well drawn kinetic fight scene with like a lot of cool angles and stuff. A good use of both of their powers and things like that. Sure, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In terms, like plot wise, like, but sure, it, it was fun to watch. Or like, it's good to ha- look. It's good to have something fun in Spider-Man again after months and months of you know, hobo. people being clones and like, oh, I'm a clone, and, and like hobo adventures and like, you know, I'm a clone. Let's fight on the internet and wife beating. <laughs> yeah, wife beating. Uh, you know, murder, spider side, freaking the jackal trying to An entire bl- building full of dead people. The strange life and death of uh, of Rich Gannon. Uh, Kane dying again and again and again. <laughs> oh my oh God! My gosh, the whole thing the high evolutionary. Look, it, it's just good to have so uh, just a fun slugfest issue where you don't have to think about all that crap. Can I also say that like I think that like up until this, and maybe it's because of the different artists between Mark Bagley and Tom McFarlane. Like I remember initially, Silver Sable seemed to be a bit of an older character. And here, Bradley shows her, like, you know, she's, she's like, you know, about maybe five years younger than she's been previously portrayed. This also starts to turn up, like, later on with, like, Luke Ross slimming down the older <laughs> female characters to be, like, you know, kind of slim and sexy. She, she looks like Cindy Crawford in that, in that panel, which is no I, bad thing. I don't, think that, I don't think that was so much intentional as much as that Todd McFarlane's just an awful artist, <laughs> in my opinion. So he draws everybody with, like, nine million extra lines on their face and just makes I them look I going to say that. I don't know why I said anything at all. <laughs> Remember back when they did used to draw the females with hair like this? Right. <laughs> Big hair. Remember when the females actually had the hair like this? <laughs> yeah, you have the platinum yeah. blonde silver hair. I remember that. <laughs> Real life. I know, I know a girl that's actually working on that, but she's trying to cosplay as Black Cat, which we'll get into later. We'll get into Black Cat or we'll get into a woman cosplaying as Black Cat. Uh, Black Cat is a character. I that. I, so I, I give this one an A minus. This was pretty good. I liked it a lot. Okay. I think this was my favorite of the issues that we were covering today. Well, uh, I'm gonna pretty much okay. So, Josh, you gave it an A. Yes, I do. You gave it a B, Donovan. Yes, correct. A, Greg. A minus. A minus. A minus from you, Gerard. Indeed. Okay. I will m- concur with Gerard and Greg and Josh. Don, you get to be different on this one. I give this an A minus as well. I-, I like this issue because it's just fun. I mean, I- one of the things that I was so ready to get to these issues because it was just the weight, the burden is off your chest. Um, 
you know, it, it's one of those things. Mark Mark Bagley is just so good. The scene with Robbie and Jonah is is really well done. It is a definite. I, I would I think it's kind of deliberate with DeFalco kind of homaging his um, previous work with um, with ASM two fifty two. So a a real fun story. Conversations um, almost beat for beat too. Yeah. Um. So I, I like that. I like that scene. I like uh, I like the fact that everything's kind of topsy turvy. This is definitely a fish out of water scenario with Ben Riley as Spider Man. Yeah, he's been a superhero for a while, but he's been kind of the sidekick for most part of the book, and and now he's gotten out of that sidekick role and now really kind of taken the mantle of Spider Man and kind of run with it. Uh, I liked the interaction with Sandman. Where he, he's like, what the heck do you think you're doing, man? You're just pissing me off, you know? But he's still... I like this version of Sandman. I don't, I don't know why. Um, Silver Sable definitely looks like Cindy Crawford, and that's never a bad thing. Um, other than that, really, I mean, there's no there's no cons to this issue. So so I have to give it an A-. minus. Did you guys ever end up seeing that, that film that they were advertising called Toy Story? Toy Story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I saw it once. Or twice. <laughs> I think I saw it twice, yeah. I don't Was this the... Catch on. Was this the issue that had the ad for that Ultra Force cartoon? <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember that. Speaking of the 90s in Malibu, there you go. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my Prime. and that's, that, that, to me, is, is like the 90s and none of it's worse. <laughs> like, didn't Ultra Force, like, is it just me or those, did the Ultra Force ad have, like, like a Mike Ringo artwork to it? it oh, it's, like? it's, it's, clear, it's blatantly obvious. It's Mike Ringo. <laughs> I've written this from the complete Ben Riley epic book too. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the uh, Ultra Force. Um, <laughs> Ultra Force ad's not in uh, Ben Riley epic book. I wish it was the pumpkin head in the tuxedo. Right. <laughs> Strangely enough, Marvel owns all these characters, so they could actually show up at any point in the Marvel universe if they wanted to. Do we want them to? reboot? Well, maybe just for the lols, just to have some stupid shit where, like, where, like, the Hulk is, like, walking around, all of a sudden Prime just comes out of nowhere and he's like, eat fist, Hulk, he just punches the Hulk and nothing happens. Built the Watcher, it's Prime. What the f***? Before Superman fights Hellspawn. Don't they have Angela now, or is that DC? No, Not only do they have Angela, they retconned it, so now Angela is Thor's sister. And every time... Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> oh my god, I, I know nothing. The look on the bright side, every time she appears, Todd McFarlane dies a little bit inside. That's why I live my life. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to move on. How's that sound? Yeah. Because we still got three. No, sir, I don't. Um, uh, we might have to clip Unlimited off the end of this one. We'll see. So, uh, next one is George. Yes, I have the next recap. It is Peter Pan right, 64, George. right? Let me see. Yes. Okay. Yes. Only $1.50. <laughs> uh, remember, though, when they had prices like that? Uh, I think it one ninety five. <laughs> On my copy, it says one, uh, only $1.50. It might $1. be a new stand direct edition thing. Yeah, and right. and approved by the Comics Code Authority. Ooh, for now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Spider-Man number sixty-four: The Game of Life, written by Howard Mackey, 
penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by the triumvirate of Al Williamson, Dick Giordano, and Al Milgram, and colored by Kevin Tinsley. That is one hell of a of a lineup for inkers, isn't it? The murderer's row of inkers. <laughs> Al Williamson, Dick Giordano. I didn't even remember that Dick Giordano had done work for Marvel. What the heck is going on at that point? I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised he learned that he did, but I, I didn't catch it in this issue. Yeah, the styles actually meld pretty well. It's hard to tell them apart. We join the story with Spider-Man trying to resuscitate a young boy at the scene of a huge building fire. He saves the kid, but is immediately besieged by a reporter and a cameraman who you're, you do a usual reporter things of trying to bug him with questions. He dodges a few of those questions, and he overhears the boy calling to him. The boy claims that his mother is alive in the fire and, quote-unquote, cannot be hurt. But he's taken away in an ambulance. As the ambulance heads for the hospital, it's attacked by El Toro Negro. Yeah, yeah. It's the boy. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that the whole time, don't worry. Meanwhile, Spider-Ben stands and watches the fire murder the hell out of that building for some reason instead of doing anything about it. Eventually, the building collapses, as uncontrollably burning buildings tend to do, and Ben saves bystanders by catching the debris in his webbing. The reporter comes on to him very awkwardly, but they're interrupted when a woman in, when a woman floats out of the flames, calling for her son. Spidey tends to her, learning that she's poison, a vigilante from Miami that like you know fights drug gangs and stuff. As the reporter keeps trying to ask questions, Ben promises to ensure that Poison's son is safe, even though he's already been kidnapped at this point. Hollow promises much. Later at the Daily Grind, Ben learns more about Poison and gets a lead on a, a new apartment. After a brief setup with Mysterio and a dude named Paris Scott, Ben gets his new place. Afterwards, he visits Poison at the hospital, and she's pissed because Spidey allowed her son to be kidnapped. Later, a representative for the aforementioned Mr. Scott arrives, and he, he basically shows up, says that she has a contract of some sort, and he gives her a fresh version of her costume. Ben returns just after she's put her costume on. Or has he? Oh, Ben, you pervert. El Toro Negro calls the hotel... The hotel? What the hell? No, it's the hospital room. My notes are inaccurate. Uh, hospital. El Toro Negro calls the hospital and tells Poison where he has her son. She snips at Spidey. Snips. Oh, my God. No, it's snipes. Jeez. I can't read. You're tired Is English your first language? <laughs> no, I'm not tired. I just have really terrible handwriting. Because I was trying to scribble this down while you guys were, like, talking about <laughs> sensational or whatever. She snipes at Spidey and races off to save her son, arriving at a warehouse, of course it's a warehouse, to find El Toro Negro has strung the boy up with explosives rigged to a dead man's switch. Which, for people who don't know, that means it's a thing he's holding in his hand where if El Toro Negro gets knocked out or something, he releases the pressure and the bomb explodes. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, look, man, I, you wouldn't believe how many times I will just say something offhandedly. People are like, what? That's like <laughs> to make sure sometimes. El Toro Negro makes, makes her cancel the contract that she has with uh, the aforementioned Mr. Scott, and after Spidey arrives, he forces her to fight the web swinger. Poison has been on the ropes, but her son pleads for her to, to spare him. Spidey webs the dead man's switch in El Toro Negro's hand and knocks him the fudge out. And it, there's a, and it happens very, very, very abruptly, but that's the end of the story, because she basically, she's there, her son is safe, El Toro Negro is webbed up for the cops, the end. Okay. 
What was your thoughts on this issue there, Gerard? Uh, I liked it a lot, other than the really weird and abrupt ending. I mean, it was awkward in my rundown, but it was actually even more awkward on the page. Basically, after they uh, they had that whole switcheroo where the kid is like, you know, spare him, don't kill him. And then, like, you know, within the span of, like, three panels, Ben webs the dead man switch, knocks out El Toro Negro, he has El Toro Negro webbed up, Poison's like, oh, thanks for saving my son, and, like, kisses him on the cheek or something, and that's the end of the story. That was very rushed and abrupt, and I, I don't know, I didn't, I, it was very jarring to read, but I other, agree. other than that, really good, uh, really great J.R.O. Jr. art. Right. It's weird to, to say that, considering that the, we had complaints about the inking on Jurgen's stuff in the first issue that we covered when really much of the same thing's happening here but it feels a lot more appropriate to the story in this case and it matches a lot better with the art style I think uh, yeah. I don't really know if I can explain why it just seems like Jurgens' work is, is more attuned to like a cleaner inking style whereas it's acceptable for J.R. Jr. to be inked like this at least in this era, when he was drawing the blockier figures. Nowadays, he needs a, a cleaner line inker. This is also the era where all he was drawing were people with, with beards and goatees and warehouses and boxes and stuff. It's like, <laughs> that's everything he draws in, this, in this, these two years. Yeah, I forgot to look it up beforehand. Is El Toro Negro a pre-existing character? He was in the... Uh, he was from the Grey Game. He was oh, the, uh, right. Yeah, the Green Goblin crossover. They even reference him in this issue. El Toro Negro looks a lot like another J.R. Jr character, and I'm trying to remember... Shotgun, yes, thank you. (laughs) It's like Shotgun with his hair out, because Shotgun usually has its tied back, but he's like this... I don't know. He he does have a sort of generic like, drug lord type (laughs) character, like, I don't know. Um, Poison also another existing character. She met Spidey in a previous annual or something like that, but honestly, like, is that her only appearance before this? Yes. I ain't never heard of her no more. Yeah. No more. I, I actually remember that editorial reference. It was all in like the web annuals or something that no one read. But yeah, it's a it's a good simple mother son story. Well, I put simple in quotations. They muck it up with this whole business with kill contracts and all that stuff, but otherwise it's a pretty much like the the uh previous issue and hell, even the Armada one, if you don't pay much attention to the Armada stuff, it's it's more or less like your head down, streamlined, running straight in a straight line, finish the story sort of thing, rather than the whole convoluted, you know, nine plots going at once stuff that we've been having for the last few months before this. So, again, continuing with the nice change of pace, I think this issue does it well, probably more than the other ones, because this one is a very self-contained one-and-done deal, which I like. So I would say it's like a B plus. So to... Uh Donovan, I think this is okay. I, I, at no point did I dislike this at all, but um, I didn't enjoy this as much as the other ones. But it's still good. Um, I want to make that clear. I think that like the saving grace is that Ben Riley's written very, very well in this. I like his determination. I like his seriousness. I, I just like, and I, even even the narration can be seen as overwrought, but just the whole he is Spider Man. He is a hero. Saving dozens of lives will mean nothing to him. Not if this one child is allowed to die. I mean, that's that's over the top, but I do like it. And it could be because of the whole JRJR atmosphere that, that the pencils bring it. But just like how he interacts with the reporters and stuff, even when the woman's like kind of hitting on him, later on he just kind of like webs up their cameras and 
I like the contrast. Even when the woman poison is like, you know, oh, you let me down, and I must find my son, and I won't let him down ever again. He's like, I can't do that. Open to the boy. I like how single-minded Ben is. That really carries a lot of goodwill for me in this issue. Um, I mean, again, this stuff I don't I think is bad, but I think that Poison's one of those characters that, like, I'm not really a fan of somebody who's just played at extremes all the time. I guess it's a further situation to this issue. But she's always just yelling, and she's just wide-eyed, thousand-yard stare in her, in her eyes, and I don't know. And the whole, I, I know it's a comic book. I know it's a superhero comic book. I know this, this is part of the trope, but the whole, like, you know, Mr. Scott has given you this super villain costume to wear, and she puts it on and then poses. And then the, the, the window's open, but she goes out of the window through it anyway for no reason. That kind of mm-hmm. smacked to me as, as silly and dumb. And she kind of got lit on the nose a lot, a bit too. There's, and the whole, like, you know, I must save my son, so I'll kill Spider-Man. I mean, I understand the story. That, that, that's the story that they're telling, but that's not a story. That's, that's a bit too silly and simple of a story for me to kind of get into. And like Gerard said, it ended really abruptly. Um, there's also a point where, like, when, when Ben first runs at her, he's like, oh, look at that. She's crazy and has powers. She's also kind of cute. I, I didn't like that line. But, you know, overall, this was... Still a decent issue. I, I would I would probably give it a. Um, I don't want to give it a B minus. It wasn't that bad. I'll probably just give it a flat B. B. Okay. Uh, Josh. Uh, yeah, this issue. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. This was okay. The best thing about it was the art. Otherwise, um, I really didn't care for it. But I didn't hate it either. <laughs> it it was just I don't really like the great game that much. Um. One thing that this issue did that I liked was it demonstrated one of the benefits of having the daily grind as Ben's new base of operations. Um, because through the daily grind, we were able to get exposition about who this, you know, poison woman was in a non-obtrusive way by having, like, Buzz and the other people in there talk about her. So that is a great way, you know, it's springboard for Ben's adventures and to get some exposition across in a way that's not too clunky. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Can I throw one thing onto that too? It's also a good excuse to have a bunch of characters that normally wouldn't interact together interact. Like that's always been the problem with like you know Spidey goes to the Daily Bugle, but there's no reason for X character to be there. If it's just a yeah. coffee shop, anybody can walk in and like just you know patronize the place. <laughs> yeah, that's that's long been a problem with Spider-Man supporting cast people that like have no reason to have relationships with each other we assume have those relationships because they're in his cast. Like Flash Thompson being accosted for not going to Marla Madison's funeral. When, like, you know, like, <laughs> when have Flash Thompson and Marla Madison ever interacted before? Remind us who the maid of honor of Betty Brant's wedding was. Mary Jane Watson, her only female friend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. These stupid characters. How we hate them, yet how we love them. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Josh. Only you. But your grade was? Uh, B minus. Not good, not good. <laughs> Wait, B minus, okay. Uh, take that, Greg. Take that, Mackie. <laughs> From now Greg. on, I am venom to you, drug lords. That's why I call myself poison. Someone <laughs> yuck, had yuck, to. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Someone had to do it. Someone had to. I mean, the episode, the issue is a 
solid B minus for me. It's okay. There's nothing bad about it. Nothing particular, particularly great either. I mean, yeah, I like Ben Riley being determined. I like seeing him be Spider-Man in these issues, and the art is good. I love me some John Romita Jr., but there's really nothing to say about it. It seems like a fairly standard story, and and it's filler. You could easily cut it out of this arc, and nothing would be lost. It's not really an arc, though. All these stories are disconnected. True, true, but I don't know. I mean, it, do these characters ever show up again? Uh, Poison is never seen again. Oh, there you go. I mean, I feel like they could... I mean, Mackie could have reintroduced this character in, his, in the book that he was writing more dramatically. I mean, there was... I mean... Again, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't all that good. I mean, I, I mean, I had fun with it, but at the same time, it's just it's filler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this wasn't. Uh, what was your grade? B minus. B minus. So pretty much unanimous B minuses, right? I gave it a B plus because today is okay. opposite day, and I like everything you guys don't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this a B, not a B plus or B minus. I'm just going to give it a solid, just a B. Um, Greg, did you have more thoughts? I'm sorry, Dad. Not on this one, no. Okay. Um, good art, good artwork. Really great, actually, really great artwork. Uh, John Romita Jr. is a welcome addition, even though he was brought back last month. Um, this is where he really gets to shine. I like the effectiveness of the opening scene. It's in the middle of something, but through expos through the dialogue boxes, you don't miss a single beat. Uh, I liked what John. Uh, I think it was Don that said it was the determination of Ben. That really does stick out to me a lot. The flirtation with Ben, it's like, oh, hey, look, single Spider-Man. We can do that now. Um, so that kind of brings it a little bit down for me. Or, um, <laughs> otherwise, the um, the poison fight was fun. The teleportation bit was kind of a kind of a meet a goal but it's like oh look 21 pages I need to get the 22nd I didn't even know she could do that um anyway yeah I I mean I I don't even remember this girl from the from the annual four so it's 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 not a bad story it's it's probably one of the I think it may be of the five we're covering tonight this is definitely one of the weakest it's not it's not memorable it's certainly harmless yeah yeah, not a not a bad story, not a great story. So that leads us to spectacular number two thirty. If you're reading the Ben Riley trades, it actually jumps right into Nightmare and Scarlet at this point. Unfortunately, thank well, you. Well, that's not the issue that I have. Yeah, the, yeah, the, no. Uh, Nightmare on Scarlet is the three issues, the three issue arc with Scarlet Spider not being in the Scarlet Spider book. Um, and it's got pretty horrendous artwork. So you got to flip, like, 60 pages to get to this issue in the Ben Riley trade. But uh, anyway, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man number 230, and uh, this one is going to be... Me. Donald. I'll save you the trouble of scrolling up. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Don. A Tale of Brother... Love. Ooh, sounds sexy. Brothers keep the brotherhood of the web. With sexy results. Right <laughs> Sexually yours, Todd Dodago. Sexy breakdowns, Sal Buscema. Sexy finishes, Jimmy Palmiotti. Letters, Clem Robbins. Colors, John Calise. Color separations, Malibu. John Calise is still working these days. Editor, Eric Fine. And Sexy Big Brother, Bob Rudansky. Rudansky. Um, 
this is a very straightforward issue. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that like me detailing it would really serve anybody much. Uh, basically, Clayface, um, and also the episode uh, Earth Mover from Batman Beyond, where two guys <laughs> uh, who are environment environmental consultants uh, run a cropper of a Sanders chemical chemical waste uh, company, and um, they kind of poke a, poke a stick with a chemical drum, which sucks the blue, it has diamond on it, and it blows up! Uh, we cut from that flashback to the present, where we see the uh, spectacular Spider-Man web-swinging and some pretty acrobatic moves, uh, but all of a sudden we see a bunch of furniture being moved from inside to outside the windows, so he investigates to see if he can help them move. He sees this gigantic uh, creature... <laughs> Uh, basically, a, a gigantic like you know, uh, look, kind of kind of reminds me of like the uh, one of the Pokemon. I forget his name. Uh, basically, this kind of per- Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu. No, not Pikachu. Like, like Muck or something. Call him Tarface. DK is his name actually, but like uh, it's basically like, it's kind of like purplish, grayish, red-eyed monkey monster, kind of yelling that he wants to have Cyber so he can destroy him. Uh, Spider-Man's web shooters have no effect on the creature, and as he starts uh, throwing objects and melting the the ceiling, it starts to dissolve, and it, it might uh, just it kind of acts as acid. So uh, Spider-Man webs up the ceiling, and the creature gets away. Uh, we cut to a very brief scene of Shirley at the Daily Grind of Shirley and her son Devin, and it's kind of repeating panels of Devin saying, "Uh huh, uh huh." And she says, Devin, have you heard a word I say? Are you feeling all right? Sure, Mom, just watching some TV. I really don't know where, that, where that's about to go. So I guess we'll see it later on. Um, that leads into Media Blizzard. There we go. That, is that a Chuck E. Cheese commercial on the TV? I think so. Continue. Product placement. Um, later that night, at the Sanders Chemical Corporation, Spider-Man wants to make sure that Sanders, uh, he's able to save Sanders' life to hurt the creature looking for him. So he tracks him down. And it's just in time uh, before the creature attacks Sanders and says it's time to confront his mistakes and make him pay. Uh, ben tries to fight him because he's a mud creature. All the typical tropes follow. He can't punch him. He can't kick him. He can't do much damage against him. But he can get, do damage against Spider-Man. The creature says that you've destroyed my younger brother. And he assumes the form of um, one of the Callan brothers, uh, David Callan, as it were. And he says, like, you know, you've killed my brother, but I'm here to make you pay. And I want you to mark your confession before I kill you. So Spider-Man grabs him. All. He, he's, he, at this point, he's morphing to David Callan. Uh, throws him outside the window and webs him up to a flagpole. <laughs> and before I do a night of the lizard joke, he tries to convince him that, you know, listen, you have the evidence. You know, he's committed a crime. He's going to the police. There's no need to, to commit murder. And, um... While they, uh, while this is all happening, Sanders is actually getting away through his car down you know below. So the creature escapes and tries to destroy him. Spider Man puts himself between Sanders and the creature, and the creature says, "Get him away, Spider Man! Either get away or I'll go right through you." But Ben stays perfectly still, saying, "You know you could, but I don't think you will." And the creature eventually goes back to his normal form, and his human form says, "I'm sorry. You're better than that, Dave. You are better than that." So um, <laughs> Ravencroft shows up. Uh, that being John Jameson and Ed Whelan. Uh, ben says <laughs> they're here to help if they can. And um, as they drive away, as this man's going to spend the rest of his time in the same asylum, Ben says, well, I feel pretty good about that one. The end. <laughs> and uh, DK would actually show up one more time uh, as a sequel to this storyline um, in Sensational, written by Todd Zago. So I can't wait. Uh, this is after Clone Saga. So. This 
this issue, um, <laughs> as my voice cracks, so I don't want to waste any time. Go, go ahead there, Don. Yeah, I, I, I think all the issues were pretty decent. I think the, I, I would actually say this one was a bit weaker than um, the previous one that we covered, Edge of List, because as nothing else, I did really enjoy how Ben was written here. And I, you know, I'm not saying that like there was anything wrong with this, but because it's kind of hard to do a monster kind of creature from the Black Lagoon Clayface derivative these days because there's not much else you can do besides the basic premise of you can't fight him but he can fight you and hurt you kind of like the blob and they don't do really much with that premise or, or with that character at least um, there are some nice shots Samba Simba is, has escaped uh, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz's inks so his artwork is a lot more recognizable and I really do like the acrobatics he shows in the beginning like that opening page where he's kind of spreading in the in the in the midair is nice. I really do like that. I do um, like the Sabi Simo like knocking across the room shot. Yeah, uh, which one actually? The where DK knocks Ben into the into next week, and it's like the over over exaggerated um, classic Sabi Simo shot. We're like the eyes at the top of the head. You <laughs> always, <laughs> always be doing that. Um, yeah. You know, but really, I mean, like, there's there's really not much to say. It's a very straightforward story. It's okay as it is. I think it's like the colors are still left to be desired. Kind of, we're kind of like you know, still in the bit of, the Malibu colors are still there. But you know, again, comparing this to what we've previously seen, especially for a, an issue written by Sabusama, this was fine. I mean, this was this was okay. I'm not sure if I would necessarily recommend it to people because it's not one you need to go out and grab. But if you come across this issue very very cheap, you could do worse. So. I would give it. I would give it a B minus. B minus. Yeah, Gerard. Uh, continuing the theme of opposite day, I really didn't like this one at all. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, I had jokingly written down in my notes that this this should be retitled Spider Man versus Biolante because that's basically what the plot is. Like it, it's just it's a really ham fisted sort of environmentalist thing. Kind most for the most part. And I really, I, I just have an instant knee-jerk hatred of stories like that. Because you can do that stuff well, but this is not an example of it. Um, Don made fun of it already, but he sort of looks like, DK, sort of looks like a, if you smashed Clayface and Swamp Thing together. Ex- yeah. Except, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is sort of like vague, undefined abilities, and, like, ugh. I, I just, I hate when characters like this show up, because it's just an excuse to, like, jerk the plot around as needed, and then just have the, just have the character come to some resolution at the end, almost outside of the hero, and then that's it. Like, you could almost take Spider-Man out of the story, almost, not quite, because he does have to, you know, do his bit at the end there, but, like, that would still work, but, I don't know. And it was all uh, to me. It just it was just ended up being a weak and forgettable sort of story. On the positive side, I will say this is some of the best Busemo work you've gotten in a while. Cause, like like Don jokingly said, very well said, he escaped from uh, Sinkevitcher. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, uh, Palmiotti is doing a mini Sinkevich, just not as dirty. But like later. Oh, I can't remember who the hell. John Stanisi, I think, when he comes on to ink a little later, he basically just returns to fake Sienkiewicz style. So enjoy this little bit of, of pure Busomo while you can, because you're not going to get a whole lot of it. Well, except in the backup story to the Unlimited issue, but we're not there yet. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, his work is the only thing that keeps it visually from just becoming a total cluster F. Because especially with with what uh, B of uh, I was almost called B again with what DK was doing, it could have really become a mess. But it wasn't that it wasn't difficult to follow, so that at least that was a plus. So I would say it's like a oh boy a C minus D plus somewhere in there. I I really didn't like it. Yeah. Wow. Josh. I have very little to say about this issue. My notes say, great splash page, uh, where Ben's, like, jumping up in the air in the Spider-Man costume. And then the next note says, meh. And then then it gets to my notes about Unlimited. So those are my two notes of the issue. Great splash page. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Greg. Oh, what was your grade, Josh? B. Minus. B? B minus. Okay. Honest? B or D? B as in Ben Riley. Ben Riley, okay. Uh, uh, All right, Greg. Honestly, there is nothing in this issue that made me care. It's a story we've seen a million times before, and I think I used my Hexus joke a little bit too early, but here we are. I mean, right. the artwork was okay, but the story was fairly standard, and I give it a D plus. It just, I mean... Okay, maybe I'm being a bit unfair. I'll give it a C minus. I mean, it wasn't. There's nothing offensive about it, but it just wasn't anything special. It wasn't good. I mean, okay, I'm gonna give this a uh, a B. Uh, as a kid, I loved this issue. I don't know why. Muck monsters. I don't know. Um, but I, I liked this issue for some reason. Um, I'm not a. Everybody knows I'm not like. Oh my god, environmentalist. But uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's not reading it now. It's uh, with a much more critical eye. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually change my grade to C because uh, it really isn't that great. The artwork is good, but not fantastic. It's certainly the weakest artwork that we see tonight. Um, with the with at least the core four issue, core four books, and uh, Pamiani does an okay job, a, a better job of Sinkevich. And I think I think when you compare it to the Sinkevich bits, obviously. Uh, it's much better. So, uh, you know, straightforward story. We'll we'll only see this character one more time, and that's pretty much it. So that's all you got to know. Muckman. <laughs> so it also bugs it, it bugs me every time they say his name DK because that just makes me think of the publishing company that makes all of the coffee table books. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like, but what does DK the only thing stand for? Dean Dane. Right. Yeah. Darling Kindersley. Actually, Dean Kane is a C, not a K. <laughs> they don't know how to spell Dean Kane's name. Oh, okay. They're talking about Bob Kane's nephew, Dean. Nice. Alright, so... Um, oh, if you have the books, next in sequence is Family Plot with the Punisher, and then... And then the uh, Venom Along Came a Spider. Yes, Finally. Yeah. So uh, if you're following along in the Epic Books trades, our next story that we're covering, our last one of the night, is The Return of Spider-Man Unlimited, number 11. Which is not cover in date, here. Which is not in Epic Book 2. It's in actually Epic Book 3. Um, so, sorry. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. The, the, all of these issues came out in the same month, but they're covered in three different trades in the complete collections? <laughs> yes, they are. 
Wow. Well, this is the re- okay. The reason why it's it, they put uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. Yeah, the reason. I think. No, I want a reason for this. Uh, the reason why they put it in number th- in uh, Epic Book Three was because uh, the opening story of Epic Book Three is um, uh, the Final Adventure, and thematically they are kind of they've got elements that kind of cross over with each other, so it kind of makes sense to put that together. <laughs> Until you get to the backup story, which takes place before Ben became Spider Man, so suddenly, right. so suddenly you have a backup story that's like two trades out of date. Um, and actually, the uh, trade doesn't actually include the backup story. What? Now, where's the backup story? Uh, the backup story yeah. has nothing to do with the Clone Saga. So they didn't put it in there. And the backup story is like, what, six pages? That's yeah, it, it, it's a very standard Spider-Man story. Okay. Fabian Nicieza is the writer. David Hoover is the penciler. Joseph Rubenstein is the inker. Ken Lopez is the letterer. Tom Smith, the colorist. And Malibu comes back with their color separations. Alright, we open the issue with uh, Ben Riley of Spider-Man in his Spider-Man garb thinking about a uh, high-class uh, murderer uh, reading the Daily Bugle. He was recalling a time during his lost years where he actually helped a Jason Habershaw. Uh, he crumples up the paper after giving this brief bit of exposition, and we go uptown to the 44th precinct. Uh, Maricela, the detective, is walking out with her flannel attire and meeting up with... Uh, her name is actually... Uh, um, I'm sorry. Mar- Maricela Celianos. Marcella, there's no I in there. Celanos. Celanos, whatever. Mr. Ellis is who she's is who she's meeting because, well, she's a snitch to Mr. Ellis. She then uh, hands Ken a their prime suspect in the high-class murder, the Black Cat? Yes. Needless to say, Ken Ellis then pays and then subsequently leaves. But we cut then to a, the men's bathroom where wait, Ken wait, Ellis... Wait, 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 wait. Black Cat's identity is publicly known? I was actually going to make a joke about that. Yes. Oh, 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 yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> yes, Black Hat was publicly known. Okay, uh, we then have um, a groggy Ken Ellis in a bathroom stall. So, wait, there's two Ken Ellis's? This is another clone saga. Bum, bum, bum. All right, we then uh, go to Bridington Beach section of Brooklyn. Hey, I'm where's that double. at? Uh, Four Ken Ellis's. <laughs> <laughs> Four. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, um, Paul Brost is the co-owner of the, of the Cat's Eye. Now, Josh, you're going to have to enlighten me who this guy is. These are all supporting characters from Felicia's miniseries that she had at the beginning of the Clone Saga, and they help her okay. with her Cat's Eye detective agency. Like, the guy on the computer is actually, like, um, in a minimum security prison or something. And, nice. um, and and he's, like, basically, like, their oracle who helps them all from, like, his prison jail cell where he's allowed to have internet for some reason, It's which is explained <laughs> in the miniseries, I don't remember. But, like, anytime you nice. see Felicia in, like, a 90s story, she's usually with these people that maintain continuity because they own that detective agency with her. Like, uh, Paul Proust, he was, um, he was in that story um, right after Maximum Clonage where Felicia, like, meets Ben Riley. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, I remember yeah. 
I remember now. It's been a long time since we recorded that episode. But anyway, uh, so Paul goes into the uh, Russian mob's uh, <laughs> uh, bar and uh, tries to get a Merlot, a scotch, or a beer, but uh, vodka is the only thing that they serve. Anyway, we uh, then cut to the guy on the computer screen. The, the 90s version of Skype with Felicia Hardy talking about being stung by a bee. That comes in handy later. Paul also acts like he was stung by a bee, so coincidence, we think not. We then cut to Ben Riley going to the funeral and bumping into J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie. But because of his brand new haircut, neither one of them actually recognized that he's actually formerly Peter Parker. Or that Robbie is white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robbie is completely miscolored in this, <laughs> this issue. So uh, we see Jason, quote-unquote, I'm using those quotes. You'll find out later why. So um, Ben then walks up to Jason, introduces himself, and of course Jason doesn't recognize him because of him not having his Lorenzo Lama's hair. Uh, <laughs> so Jason then kind of acts like, you know, hey, how you been? You know, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But something is out of the ordinary because Ben Riley's spider sense is going off. We then cut to Robbie being black again. <laughs> At the Daily Bugle, and <laughs> Ken Ellis is. is <laughs> we then cut to Robbie being black again. He's always that. There's an untold story taking place between these panels where he uses Superman's Fortress of Solitude scene, like <laughs> Robbie, are you sure about this? Yes, Jonah. I must spend the next twenty-four hours as a white as a white man as a white man, and, 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 and Randy like kills himself in the bathroom. Oh God! Josh took it to it. Dad, hour. no, you promised. <laughs> <laughs> I just got high off my own laughter. <laughs> you promised? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, sure. uh, yeah, he <laughs> promised. Every father makes a promise to their son by their bedside that they will never alter race. Oh, man. <laughs> I know my dad did. <laughs> so, um, anyway, basically... Ken doesn't remember the conversation because remember he woke up in at, in the bathroom. He's at, Robbie asked for an on the record quote, which he doesn't get from a cop in the middle of an investigation. So uh, then Ben Riley interacts with Ken Ellis for the first time as Spider Man. Remember, Ken Ellis gave him the moniker Scarlet Spider. So Ben's kind of not a fan of Ken Ellis. But anyway, Robbie says, "You've got something cooking, Ken, but it's not stew yet." Despite this, he already has made a mock up of page one. He has a tendency to do that a lot. You'll find out uh, I, once again in um, Final or, yeah, in Final Adventure that he tends to keep his page one mock-ups to himself and then produce uh, then produces them dramatically for effect. Um, we then cut back to uh, Ben going by the Cat's Eye Private Eye Agency, where he then interacts with. Felicia Hardy. Now, remember, Felicia and Ben have interacted before during the Exiled storyline? Yeah, Exiled. Was it what she was like, um, mind, like mind wiped into fighting? Yes, yes, yes. So, we then get some tip for tat. Felicia's very upset and very disappointed because the spider sense goes off because 
he views her as a threat. This also is a, a good way of differentiating between Ben and Peter. After some pitter-patter and some interaction, <laughs> she puts her fingers on her chest, which I love the dialogue box. It's like, ignore the fingers on her, her fingers on your chest. He's trying to play it straight with Felicia, but Felicia will have none of it, and she's pl- being her usual flirty self. Sexy self, because she exudes sex. Because she's all about the sex. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. Anyway, uh, Jason Havershaw is being paid another visit while he is somewhat admiring the crime scene. Really? But Ben, you know, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ben, of course, swings by and, and goes to talk to her. And uh, they take a walk. Ben starts getting suspicious about J- Jason, quote unquote, because first off, Jason Habershaw never called me Betty. <gasps> yes. We then see Jason go talk, go and talk Russian with the Russian mob. We then cut to Ben swinging around the city, and of course, Jason walking into a random room where he's talking to a young young man who looks like Jason in the flashback. Yep. He gets him heroin. He feels a lot better. So uh, the next morning, we then interact with the black cat once again, because she Ben, of course, is 45 minutes late. Never keep a woman waiting. Yeah, never keep a woman waiting. All right, so uh, she swings off because she gets very upset because, well, Ben still has suspicions of her. I then cut to our resident Ken, Ken Ellis and our resident detective, Interacting at the crime scene once again, where we run into Skull Jacket. By the way, Skull Jacket made his first appearance. The quote unquote Jason was actually Skull Jacket. Skull so, Jacket uh, is the greatest name ever. Yeah, right? No, no, no. Steel Jacket's better. Yeah. DC. Yeah. So, uh, Ben Riley then hears gunfire and start, and, and then rushes into into battle, where, well, he, said, he, he basically calls Skulljacket because he can change his appearance, a chameleon wannabe, which really sets him off, because remember, uh, the chameleon, too, is Russian. Cat uh, then, well, Ben then punch out, punches out Skulljacket, finds the little needle darts that uh, explains the headaches going around, and then Jason Havershaw was actually Skulljacket all along. But a part of him wishes that it had been the real Jason because, well... Jason is so out of it that he keeps saying, sorry, 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 sorry. Ben feels really down on himself, and then, of course, the black cat interacts with him and calls him Spider-Man for the first time, before removing Ben Riley's mask and planting a big, wet kisser right on his face. Spider-Man? That, and maybe more. <laughs> you wanted to see me? What for? To thank you for clearing my name and for always being there. You can't. You be- Wait. You better not get your goop in my hair. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, uh, Spider-Man, Ben Riley, Peter Parker, Hero, Felicia Hardy, Black Cat, Criminal. What happens when you can't tell which is which and the mask becomes the real you? The I'm end. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. <laughs> the backup story? Uh, yeah, the backup story. <laughs> yeah, that'll take a while, the recap. <laughs> the backup story is basically a side-by-side um panel about the typical night of Spider-Man. It's drawn by Sabi Sima. I'm having to do this off notes because I was using my uh, copy of from the trade. Um, off the top of my head. Uh, so It's called Night at Work. Uh, it's parallel scenes of... Uh, this takes place before the Claw Saga. Uh, Mary Jane's in bed while she watches Peter just with Spider-Man. Simultaneously, a woman's in bed with a baby in his crib. 
Oh, a guy is putting his jeans on saying he's doing a short shift tonight and she should not wake up. They're kind of made to be parallel because Peter's Spider-Man, this guy's... His name is Joe, so he has to be evil. Um, so, uh, and he puts on a, a... Just a guy named Joe Porter. Hey, hey! So, um... Uh, he kisses his wife goodbye, or his girlfriend, as Peter kisses Mary Jane goodnight, and he goes out to, you know, just kind of do a run of web slinging and, you know, patrol. This guy basically is, is sort of a uh, moonlighter for some sort of, like, uh, shipment, which is illegal. Involves guys with guns. Spider-Man makes, uh, comes a cropper of them because he, <laughs> he, I don't know, it's a Spider-Man comic, he's there. So a fight scene ensues, and he captures the guy and webs him up. And the guy says, oh, God, wait, listen, stop, 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 I'm a kid, a wife, please leave me alone. So all Spider-Man can do is say, you know, you should have thought of that before you went out tonight. And so he sees the cops and callously slings away as the guy just, like, sobs and sobs and sobs. Although Peter seemed rather cold as Spider-Man when he takes the mask off and is in the vicinity of his wife. He can tell that he's particularly affected by the guy's yelling that he has a family to, to look after. So Peter tries to get what, what sleep he can as we see peril, in a parallel scene, the wife never... Her seeing uh, her husband come home and is holding, holding her child, trying to reassure him that he's only a little late, but she might never see him again. The oh, end. It's almost as if they're <laughs> not so different after all. Wow. Dun dun dun. That story really gets me thinking, you know. When Spider Man webs up a guy, how does that affect that guy's life? Wow. You can be a real awesome touch. All I can do is laugh my life. We can do those Easter, but I can't. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Greg, uh, I'm gonna give my thoughts first since like everybody get okay. Anyway, I- I'm gonna give uh, this issue an A. I this is the best unlimited issue we've read. The entire Clone Saga so far. I uh, love the interaction of uh, Felicia and Ben. Uh, I love the ending. I mean, it, it, honestly, I would have loved to have seen these two get together. I really, really would have. Because um, it would have been a lot of fun. Because it had been an entirely different dy- dynamic. It had been similar yet and familiar, yet completely different. Did they ever appear together, together after this? No. Awesome. Did she ever know that he's di- he, did, he did? I'm sure she. I mean, I'm sure she figured it out. Yeah, I'm sure she figured it out when Peter started running around and Peter's back in New York, <laughs> swinging around the city of Spider-Man. But uh, yeah, no, I, I you know I I felt like that uh, the interaction was good. The use of continuity, I mean, I wasn't really familiar with that '90s miniseries, so that's why I had Josh kind of give you a little bit of recap of that. But I, I thought uh, I thought the artwork was fairly good. It was inconsistent, um, and it was probably the it may be the it may be the weakest of. The five artists we've t- we've covered tonight, but it was serviceable. It did its job. Skulljacket's a really ridiculous villain, but um, <laughs> I like I like. I mean, he is. He's just dumb, but uh, very '90s holographic bogus stuff. But uh, I'm gonna I'm still gonna give it an A. I mean, it's it still was a fun jaunt through uh, on an un- on an unlimited issue that just really was just I liked it a lot. Um, but yeah. So we'll go to Josh first. Um, weakest art of the night. I disagree with that. I love this. And this, and this is some of the best, like, drawn black cat that I have seen. Oh, we'll, get, we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. There's some disagreement. But I, I love black cat. And I love, like, her banter with Ben Riley throughout this. And I, I, I know there's the whole point. Aha, this is why Spider-Man can't be married, because you can't have this, this black cat. 
this black cat and Peter doesn't work for me anymore. It works for her relationship with Ben because they're not as familiar with each other. You can't have Peter and Felicia as old friends, like, flirting this way again, because after everything they've been through, it, it feels disingenuous. Ben Riley being completely caught up by her sexual appeal works because of how unfamiliar they are with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, this unlimited issue, though, and every unlimited issue, because they're so long, they feel so padded. You have, like, pages of Ben, like, do we really ever know our friends? Did I ever know Jason? Did Jason ever know me? We all wear masks. Masks. Felicia <laughs> Hardy. Criminal. Clones. Yeah. Clones and wives. Clones and wives. Yeah. Like, y- you could have taken, like, 10 or 15 pages off of this story. Um, all right. This has bothered me for years. So, <laughs> Skull Jackets... Uh-oh. Okay. Skull Jackets, um, we, we get that, like, when he changes into someone, he uses their memories, right? Remember that they established that? Yeah. Okay. Who's the first person who he changes into in this story? Ken Ellis. Before that. Oh, Jason. Probably before that, maybe, depending on when that photograph was taken. Felicia. Felicia. So he has Felicia's memories. What can he do with this information? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's he a Superman! Have? I mean... <laughs> yeah, like, like, this guy, like, discovers Spider-Man's secret identity, we're assuming, and um, never mentions it and never does anything with it. Um, Maybe it's supposed to be short-term memories. But he like knows the- who Ben Riley is! <laughs> the short-term memory of the guy who tutored me, like, 20 years ago. Yeah, well, I think there was a part of me that kind of felt like that scene he was just kind of playing along. It was a mistake, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, it was a mistake. Yeah, I loved, I loved having Felicia's cast from her miniseries along for this, um, so that was cool. And I, I love that Felicia was able to figure out that this was meant. Basically, all my pros are Black Cat related. I actually did not care for the other stuff, like Skulljack and Canellas and this whole, like, druggy guy. But the Black Cat stuff more than made up for this uh, book for me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. The Black Cat stuff is just awesome. All awesome. Actually. For what? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I know. For Oh, but at one point she's like, the black cat is no killer. And I'm like, hi, remember me? My name's Blaze. You orchestrated my death to teach Spider-Man a lesson. See you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. There, uh, there is a man dead somewhere because Felicia threw a temper tantrum. Just saying. Yes. <laughs> Like, um, have we heard about that? Like, the Return of Spider-Man is like sort of a logo that's on all of these, like with a red spider signal in the background. I think yes. I actually, I actually like just noticed that they're all on all of them like, collectively because I'm slow. Um, yeah, yeah, you are. Like the, like the um, Amazing Spider-Man issue. This one was another one where I'm reading this, and then like you know, flashbacks of Weapon X flash in my brain. Where I was like, holy crap, I've seen this before. But I believe I. The boy, not the boy. My brother had this issue back when we were young. Um, I remember, it's like by the end of the issue, like there were shots of the fight uh, with Spider-Man. I was like, oh my god, I really do remember this. Um, I want to talk about the artwork because I think I think Zach said that like the artwork is inconsistent. I think there's no better word for that because there are times where it's really really good. There are some yes. very lovely shots of, of Black Cat in this comic book. I'm not gonna say that that's not a fact. That's not 
present here. Just very, very, like, you know, this really nice kind of glamorous shots. Especially with, with I'm not a fan of this costume, pers- personally, because I think she's had, like, more stylish costumes, but, like, because um, it's, it's only, like, it's, like, alterations. But um, I think that, like, uh, the kind of full-figure shots are pretty nice. Um, however, this is, all, this is simultaneously one of the biggest, like, male gazy ish comic book issues I've read in a long ass time. Because there, while there are some nice shots of the black cat, there are equally some really, really abysmal ad- anatomy shots. I mean, ones, ones that like punch me in the face as I'm reading this when you guys were recapping it. Like the first image yeah. of Felicia where she's on the chair, her torso is like in the middle of her legs. That does not work. <laughs> that Gerard, are you seeing this? Uh-oh. <laughs> He's bringing Gerard into this. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, I'll give you, like, the guy has his good point. Like, the scene of the funeral where we see Jameson and White Robbie and Ben. Those are nice shots. Those are nice shots of the faces. Those are nice shots of the figures. Those are good. Spider-Man typically looks good a lot of times. And when Black Cat's reintroduced, there are some nice shots. But alternatively, there are so many shots where it's, like, in the middle of the, Her legs are folded, and she's, like, bending in the middle of the air. Like, to the, to the point where it's, it, it is excessive. I mean, I understand this is a comic book. I understand it's a Black Cat. You're going you're gonna to get a lot of this. But, like, here, to me, it was, like... We're in the throats of the 90s. We're not even paying attention as to what she's doing. We gotta see her boobs. We gotta see her ass. And it's it's like you know, like, like there are some shots where like it's almost like he drew the ass separately and then like photocopied uh, the figure next to it. Like in um, page 23 of my version, where she says, uh, "Oh, but Peter did." That's a problem, Spider. Her ass is. Just, look at that. I'm not making this up. It's it's just like bubbled in there, and it doesn't it doesn't. I, I find it very distracting. There are, again, there are shots where it's really good. There, I like the shots of her face. I like the shots that are kind of like walking along the the, uh, the edge of the building with Spider-Man. There are some nice shots, but all, but at the same time, there are a lot of shots where it did sacrifice the sake of the human form just to show off Black Cat. And like you know, and again, this is not anything new, but it is it is apparent in the issue. Um, you know. Going along with the the writing, this is some of the best Black Cat writing because she's she is sexy, she is seductive, but she's not at the that's not that's not um, at the expense of her dignity, and I, I really expect that Ben's completely over the moon with her, like he he is distracted by how hot she is, and if you're gonna have a character be written like that consistently, it's it's fun to see Spider Man, the main character, even though it's Ben Riley, like you know, be taken with that. I thought that was a very, very nice, human, engaging thing for the reader to kind of get attached with. And that, that really did carry the issue. I mean, I also didn't get the main plot, but, like, uh, that was a lot of fun. I thought that Ben had some nice lines. I, I like the line, duck season, spidey, duck season, spidey season, spidey season. Like, I thought that was kind of funny. And, um, you know, I, I like the – I think it's a shame that, like, the two of them, the two characters didn't uh, interact again later on. Um, and I, I, I really did like the backup story, which is why I kind of defended it. Um, I had flashbacks uh, when I was rereading it, um, when I was a kid reading it again. But uh, it, it was, it was. I like, I like this issue. I, I would give this a um, for as much as I uh, bragged on the artwork. The bad artwork at times didn't hinder my enjoyment of the characterization. And that carried a lot through this. So I'll give this an A minus. Gerard, uh, I have a lot of uh, thoughts pulling me in a lot of different directions about this issue. Because while I really, really disliked the the main story with you know whatever the hell his name is, 
I already forgot. <laughs> what was the name again? Skull Jacket. Skull Jacket, thank you. We know um, Spider-Man's secret identity. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything about it. That whole thing is really, really silly and stupid, and I don't like that at all. But like Josh, I love the whole the black cat angle of the story. And they and the characters are written very well together. Like they play off well together. To me, I look at this and then I look at what Kevin Smith was trying to do with Evil with Men do, at least before it turned into a story about rape, rape and rape. About trying <laughs> to do it as a sort as a sort it did. Come on, you know I'm right. Um where, where he was trying to do a sort of like What's the best way to put it? Like a romantic comedy? That's not quite... That's not the right way to put it, but, like... He was trying to put some flirty, fun sort of thing into it. This issue does it much better. But it also yeah. does it in a way that the character... Like Josh said, the characters make more sense for this to be done that way. And that, to me, works. But the thing the thing that really... <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe this is, has less to do with this story than anything else. But, yeah, I did drop that in the... Uh, off mic here. I, I dropped that one pin up into the the chat window for exactly that re- this reason, but you'll get to it in a second. But um, Dave Hoover drew this issue. Now I don't even know if you guys know who he is, but he did a lot. Oh God, what was it? He did a run on Captain He's married America. Married to uh, Lisa Simpson's teacher, right? <sighs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, <laughs> he drew he drew Captain America in the early nineties. In that awful, like, armored cap era. <laughs> Remember that whole right. business? That was him. And I, oh, yeah. oh, God, what DC book did he do? I can't remember for the life of me, but... Like, he's an artist who sort of fell on... Like, a lot of artists sort of fell out of getting a lot of work. And it was interesting hearing you guys bat back and forth on the overall quality of his work, because he eventually went back to school... In, of, of sorts, because he wanted to sort out some of his problems with drawing anatomy, actually became a somewhat prolific like pinup artist online and stuff like that until his untimely death two or three years ago. I think he died of a heart attack in his fifties or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, wow! But he's always been a favorite of mine for like his pinup work and stuff. So I don't know. I, I think I'll defend him here. It's very nineties. But to me, a lot of it works in the style of the story that they were trying to tell. Like, if he drew the DK story, this would be so jarring and out of place. But, like, in the story that they were doing here with, like, the sort of romantic tension between Ben and Felicia and the sort of playful way that they toyed around with it, I liked it a lot. And, yes, I'm going to defend the backup. I like that backup story as much as Josh wants to make fun of it. So, big middle finger to you, pal. Um, (laughs) Overall, oh, man, overall, that's the thing, though, because so much of the story was just that stupid skull jacket face, whatever his name is. Uh, It's like a B. If if, If it had a better plot than the skull jacket thing. This would be an easy A territory for me, but that whole thing brings it down. Okay. Greg, bring us home, yeah, buddy. Once again, like Sensational Zero, the character work was great, the plot wasn't, but at the same time, I've got to say, I haven't enjoyed a Black Cat story since... Uh, how long has it been? Since 2004, when she was in that Mark Millar Marvel Knights run. run. I mean, everything Black Cat's been in since then has been painful this, this to read. before then. This is before then. Yeah, but he has. Th- this is his first time reading it, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know it's before then. I'm just saying, chronologically, the last time I personally read a good Black Cat story. 
I mean, everything that's been done with Black Cat since then has been painful. So going back and reading this and reading Black Cat and this was quite delightful, actually. It was nice seeing her be a three-dimensional character. I loved the way she played off of Ben Riley. It was a lot of fun and fun. And while Skull Jacket was lame, at the same time, I've got to say that one line... Where is it? Let me pull it up. I am not the chameleon! The skull jacket is better in every single way! I could hear that line easily on the 90s animated series, and it's hilarious because of, the, because of that. And this isn't me me disparaging the 90s show. Actually, that's a compliment towards Sarah, because it actually has, has that same kind of cheesy fun, even though skull jacket was lame. <laughs> lame. With the he got his name powers ever. in the 90s show from the Neogenic Recombinator. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, like I said, as a black cat fan who has seen the character mistreated for a very long time, this was just a breath of fresh air, even though it was almost twenty years old. I didn't say anything about the backup story because I didn't recap it. Thanks, thanks, Don, for doing that for me. Back, um, yeah, the backup story was okay. I mean, I <laughs> it was fairly standard, nothing objectionable. Josh didn't say about the backup story, did he? <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he said a lot of disparaging <laughs> remarks about the backup story. I stand um, by every lo- one of them. <laughs> I love the backup story. Hey, I didn't give I my, I didn't give my grade the backup yet. Story. Oh, I'm sorry. So I give the uh, Black Hat story a B, and I give the backup story a C. I like the backup story. It's good. It's got great artwork. Uh, some of the best Sabi Sima artwork we've seen in a long time. And uh, other than that, you know... Uh, just kind of fairly straightforward standard, so I'd give it a B. But, uh, yeah. No. I, guys, this wraps up the return of Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man's uh, back, and he's never going away. This last less than a year, didn't it? <laughs> uh, almost, almost exact, almost, uh, it is less than a year, because, actually, about a year. 75, because, well, takes a yes. lighter to the, to the chest, and this is, this month was sixty four. So yeah, it's a year. It's a, right out of a year. So yeah, cover date January. I want to say this came out in October of ninety five. Cover date was January, but it was actually October. Revelations was October. Yeah, because it's, it's yeah. Halloween and Revelations. Right, but it's kind of like cover date January because the weird yeah. cover date stuff. But yeah. So uh guys, we're on the we're on the back nine, so to speak. Actually the back ten or eleven. <laughs> eleven more months. See see, on the one hand I'm looking forward to a lot of the stuff we're gonna get to because this is a taste. There's some good stuff in these issues, but um I'm scared for stories like Nightmare on Scarlet and like uh family plot. Oh. <laughs> like yeah. they're, they're land. It's it's a, a it's a good spider. road. It's a good road from here to home, but the road is also littered with several landmines, <laughs> and we got to watch the hell out for the landmines because they're really bad ones. Yeah, but the explosion yeah. will be as bad as as Cyber War. I was just saying earlier. Today, <laughs> have you like, read Have you read Nightmare on Scarlet? Because uh, it's awful. It, it, it's it's on par. Spider it's friends, on go par. for it. I, I was just saying earlier today that I can't wait to get to that unlimited issue with um, Spider-Man and Brady Brands. Yes. That'll be a fun one. 
I, I, I expect a link. Uh, you're giving the recap. Oh, right? I'm giving the because I I wrote about that when I did um those Betty and Flash articles, and I remember like all the absurdities of that story, including that final like sunset in the park scene. Yeah, and then we'll and then like she doesn't even weep for his death. Yeah, like that's like the last chronological story before um he dies. <laughs> Yes, and she um and that their boyfriend and girlfriend. I, th- th- this is giving too much away, but yeah, basically like <laughs> Ben ends his life as Betty Brant's like boyfriend, and uh, she doesn't even of acknowledge course. his death. Of yeah, course. of course. What do you she, have she, it in the well, other maybe way? Maybe he died. <laughs> he died because he was Betty Brant's girlfriend boyfriend. She's cursed. Yeah, yeah. Like Osborne saw, you know. Oh, he's dating Betty. Now I can effectively do my do my. Well, like a month later, she's dating Flash Thompson again too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, she's oh, like oh, oh, Peter, all the men in my life, you know, die. There was Bennett, Ned, my cousin. Who? Come on, <laughs> come on, Betty. He just died last week. Um, we just got back from the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> You're scooping your stuff. Pretty much. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> what costume? All right. All right. So, uh, yeah. okay. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about to wrap the before we wrap the show up. We got one more topic I wanna that uh, Donovan suggested we bring up, which is the new costume. Let's talk about it a little bit. Let's get everybody's thoughts on it. Josh keeps mockingly saying how jarring it is that Spider-Girl's costume, but that's how I see it. I can't unsee it. It's, it, it's Spider-Girl's costume. Why is Ben Riley wearing it? I've never considered it. But I, could, I still see it as a Spider-Ben suit. Oh, it, it's the Spider-Ben suit. Someone put something online that, that I thought was funny. Like, in the, the 90s was a weird time. For some reason, Spider-Man was wearing Spider-Girl's costume. And uh, it, I, I think that, like, Mayday has earned that suit and for it to be associated with her. But, like, I, I like it on Ben, and I think that, you know... I liked, I loved it on Ben. I love it on, on Mayday, too. It's, it's like yeah. her Uncle Ben is with her at all times when she's wearing oh. it, so that's why I like yeah. that. See, I, I, know, I know nobody agrees with me, but to me, that's, this is this is my favorite Spider-Man costume. And if Peter was aware... Really? If this caught on and Spider-Man had wars because it's so similar to the, it, you're not going to confuse this for anything else this is obviously Spider-Man like Josh said before and like, it, keeps, it keeps the vestiges of what came before it's, it's not as interconnected as the Ditko design but, but like I think it's a good costume you know a lot of people a lot of times where if people in the 90s got these designs everyone hated them but like because you know, I think that by now anytime this is brought up it's like oh 90s that means it was, it was horrible no no this is a great costume I like the outside for some reason. I like the darker shade of blue. Uh, I like the fact that the, the boots are half webbed, half not. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. But it, to me, I think it's aesthetically pleasing. And um, there, there's always a part of me that's, that's, that lasted for years that wishes that Peter had adopted this suit. I'll agree, I'll agree right. with you on one point, Don, for sure, which is that it's, a, it's an evolution of the Ditko Spider-Man suit in a way that makes sense. Like I, the black suit always bugged me because it was such a huge change from the previous one, and it, it like it had no relation to it visually, really, other than the eyes or the shape of the eyes. This does look like like this would be like the next in design line of Spider-Man suits. I'll give you that. It definitely, it definitely fits that way. I love this suit. I really do. Mark Bagley did a great job designing the suit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Especially when he draws it. Greg- 
Oh yeah. I still think yeah. it fits better on a female figure, though. It's all so do I. That, that's what Sabi Sima said, and that's what all, I... Uh, yeah. All skin-tight outfits fit better on a female figure. Yeah. Nah, not really, though. You're, like, Spider-Man's right, suit doesn't look right on a female figure. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll find out on the new Season 3 of... Of Ultimate Spider-Man. No, 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 no. You'll you'll find out on season three of Ultimate Spider-Man. I will be pretending that doesn't exist and living better yeah. for it. Yeah, I still, I, I still don't know why I put myself through that. Because it's funny. Yeah. No. Yeah. My thoughts on the costume. I think it's. I guess I agree with you guys. It's a great evolution and. If you talk about the black costume, for example, I know someone who prefers the black costume and wishes that Peter kept that, and I keep saying to myself, no, I mean, it's a dark costume. It's the type of costume meant for a darker character. I can't see the Peter Parker I know wearing that thing long-term, even though he did it some for <laughs> during the 80s, and it just never looked right to me. I mean, this thing I would looks great. I wouldn't want to actually see Peter Parker adapt to it, because in my mind, this is Ben Riley's costume, and then later... Mayday's costume, and it, and it would just look alien on Peter, even though Peter and Ben have the exact same physique, but um, I think for what it was and what it became for the, the next generation of Spider-Man, whether it's Ben Riley or Mayday Parker, it's perfect. Put that have, in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> can I have one specific criticism of the suit, though? Yeah. I, I, I hate that the web shooters are on the outside. Oh. I that know it bothered me. I know when it's I was there to little, and I got used to it. I know it's there to break up the blue in the arms because if it was just an extended blue, it wouldn't quite look right. But I always hate when that he wore it on the outside because to me that sort of tips off the fact that yeah he go he runs around talking about his powers all the time. But to me that makes an easy target. Like if you're a villain fighting him and you see him shooting webs out clearly out of those things, I would try to break those immediately. This goblin's got super strength. He crushed my web shooters. <laughs> I don't know. Yay night show. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's why he died like a year into having that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't just he didn't, he didn't just crush his web shooters. He crushed his drink. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. nice. And well, technically, uh, the the glider hit him in the spine, not anywhere near his throat. So it, it wasn't a trachea accident. I'm gonna shoot you. Shut up, Zeusy McNitpick. Uh, hey. So. <laughs> With that, douchey. You, you know how, you know how stupid I am. I'm sitting there pushing invisible glasses up onto my nose while I'm doing that voice, just for no reason. Nice. Like nobody could see me doing this. <laughs> anyway, hey, 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 hey. show up. Why was the Green Goblin's glider best friends with Ben Riley? Because he always has his back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember where we going. <laughs> okay, so... The uh, proud men die. Crucified, we, not on a cross of gold, but on the stake of Humbleton. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to wrap this show up. <laughs> Spider-Man 122. Man, I'm a crack. I'm a crack up. Jesus. My, our okay. brain. Hey, hey. I'm going to wrap this show up. So you've been listening to another episode of Clone Chronicles. I am your host, Zach Joyner, trying to get control of his podcast hosts, but it's not it's not working out very well. Anyway, uh, we'll, next time we'll uh, we'll have uh, another episode covering the '90s cartoon. It'll 
Okay, and don't forget to listen to Mayday Mondays hosted by Gerard Delatour. That's me, not Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and Spectacular Radio hosted by Greg Bishansky and myself. Yay. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, uh, what was that? What was that one show you guys do uh, in there, Josh and Greg, Don? <laughs> the comic book film review uh, found at cbfreview.lipson.com. Again, review spelled R-E-V-U-E. Also found on iTunes. All right, so uh, all of our shows you can find on iTunes, and so uh, with that, we'll see you next time here on Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast, a podcast powered by the Spidey-Dude.com network. Okay, and that wraps up this episode of CSC. I'm excited to bring it to you. Glad that we were able to do it. Um, okay, <clears throat> now I know we haven't done a blooper reel in a while, and I thought there's certain things I couldn't just edit completely out. So here it is, the return of the blooper reel. We'll be back with more after the bloopers, of course. I'm got yeah. My Straight up, dog. <laughs> they do look like those kind of like plastic, yeah. those kind of plastic like like handcuffs that cops use for some reason. Oh, I, I think Zach is chasing his dog around. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to get my dog to not bark. What's up? You're supposed to be giving your opinions on the issue, Zach. But okay, and again, I'm sorry. So, again, to listeners, I'm sorry for the bad recap. This is my first time recapping the comic, and I'm also operating on thirty minutes to an hour right now. Uh, well, who, who, who says it's going to be bad? I'm going to be editing this. Well, then you know it's going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that, Whatever. But the issue ends, and um, it was fun. With this, with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. I'm Zach Joyner, the webmaster of spade Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Also, don't forget to listen to Mayday Mondays, hosted by Mr. Greg. Okay, and don't forget to listen to Mayday Mondays, hosted by Gerard Delatour. That's me, not Greg. <laughs>